Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Friday, the 31st of March. Pinch and a punch and no returns. White rabbits, whatever else we have to say. I can't remember. Don't walk under ladders. Don't... I mean, it's just standard stuff, isn't it, really? Nevertheless, we're coming into the 1st of April tomorrow. So uh, April April sh- oh, showers, isn't it? April showers. And April Fool's Day as well. Love April Fool's Day. <clears throat> I better not say it too loudly. My Auntie Enid might be listening. And, you know, we always play a joke on her every year. So let's, uh, let's hope that this year will be no different. Uh, posing on her bed, the racy snap. The teacher suspended for sultry, sexy shots. Uh, the NHS have fired a nurse because she sang The Lord is My Shepherd to a patient. Victoria Beckham suddenly realises she needs to get on some of these chat shows in America. She's not very good at the chat shows, as you can imagine. And so she thought she'd do Carpool Challenge. She's been criticised already by an ex-member of the Spice Girls for using the Spice Girls uh, songs. Uh, As I say, I'd more worry about the fact that she can't sing. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yes. Ricky Gervais hits back at a couple who walk out of his show because he does a joke about, I don't know what the joke is, I haven't seen it, but uh, they had a stillborn and uh, they said it was offensive. Well, I mean, you know, what can you not tell a joke about? You know, what is, you know what you're getting when you get to see Ricky Gervais, unless you're really not, you know, not in the real world. It's, can you imagine, you know, if you go, he, he did a joke about your grandmother dying, and my grandmother died the other day, or he did a joke about, you know, being run over at a pedestrian crossing. Well, we lost our Auntie Enid, you know, on a pedestrian crossing, all that kind of thing. I mean, surely every single person can find effect. So they get up and walk out. So they've had to issue a warning now, just in case, you know, you're offended or this affects you. You know, it's just, there's nothing you could do about it. They, I mean, if you go and see... Oh, God, I could think of loads of comedians. They do jokes about everything. They do jokes about everything. Who's, who's that? Jimmy Carr does jokes about everything. Who's that, who's that very rude one that I quite like? Who's the very... Frankie Boyle. I mean, he does jokes about everything. In fact, sometimes you can hear the intake of breath from the audience when he does a joke about cancer or Jade Goody or, I mean, just about anything. And people... And then they laugh. Because if you don't... That's the whole idea. The whole idea is, if you don't want to go to see these shows, don't bloody well book a ticket then. You know what they're going to be like. You know, Ricky Gervais, he's not apologised. Why should he apologise? That's that's his show. That's what he does. How is he supposed to... Is it, what is he supposed to do? I'm going to do a joke about a helicopter landing on you. Um, anybody in the audience ever been affected? Go to the toilet now. It just gets ridiculous, doesn't it? It just gets ridiculous. So uh, they're in the papers today because they had a... You know, he Jimmy Carr... I think said the only subject off limits is Hillsborough. That's the only thing because it affects too many people. You know, if I mean, I can understand how somebody had sit. I mean, I remember telling you that after my mother died, it seemed that every programme on the television was to do with death. Everything, honestly, seriously, I mean, I, I sort of ended up laughing at it because it, it just seemed that it was there. So they have a, a child who was stillborn, which is, you know, which is an awful tragedy. But then, you know, what are you supposed to do? Sit indoors all the time or not go out? You know, walking out of a gig going, I'm sorry, this really... He he can't check with everybody on what their life history is. That would just be stupid. Peter uh, Andre, I couldn't remember what he was doing. Apparently he used to have panic attacks a day. He asked his management to cancel gigs. And uh, I thought, we haven't heard from Peter Andre for a while, have we? We've never heard him mention panic attacks before. I've never heard of anything like this. And uh, and so it's a case of, 
you know, why do people want to share all these things with you? Do they do it because they think, if I share it with everybody, there might be people listening who've been through the similar thing about panic attacks. Because they're all, all these so-called celebrities, you know, come up with something. I mean, I'd like to know what Lily Allen's excuse is for sort of coming up with some of the rubbish she comes up with, poor soul. But there you go, you know, that's, uh, that's her business. How much space do you need between you and another person? Three, three feet, apparently, is what they say. Three feet. Uh, it's different around the world. Uh, different people in different countries. Some people are actually in your face. You know, when they're talking to you, they're really in your face. And guess what they found? Fa- I mean, I'm so excited about this Well, This is my favourite story of the day. You know, I mean, uh, my favourite story beyond... Well, let's have a quick look through here. Victoria uh, Beckham, Malcolm Butler, Ricky Gervais, Miss Ben George, Michael Rusting, Place, Katie Price, Jan Moore. Blah, blah. No, this is definitely my favourite story. My favourite story, hey, uh, is um, is the the chariot from 500 BC that they found on a Yorkshire housing estate with two horses attached to it. How cool is that? A chariot. I mean, who'd have thought? I mean, I appreciate that uh, at the time chariots would have been the Uber of their day. They'd have been on every street corner. Chariot, hi, sir. Yes, I could take you there. Two groats, that'll be. I'd love to have been on a chariot. I've seen it. I watched the chariot race in, was it Ben-Hur? And that looked pretty dangerous. People died in it. Oh, God, it was dreadful stuff. But I, I do like the idea that they found something on a, on a Yorkshire housing estate. Hey, see you. See, oh, I'm leaving that early today. Oh, well. And, uh, no, it's quite early, isn't it, really? But, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so they found that. That was good. There's pictures in the papers. I'm very happy. I've yet to find out about the NHS nurse who was sacked for singing The Lord is My Shepherd. Uh, to a patient. I don't know, would that, does that really affect people? I mean, I, yeah, well, I don't know. The more I think about it, we're all offended, aren't we? I mean, comedians, says Tony, have the most difficult job these days. People are so touchy and hard to please. Exactly. You have to sort of, you know, say, I'm sorry, is anybody going to be offended by this? I'm going to be doing a joke about biting your nails. And people go, well, I don't want to do that. You know, that's very, very offensive, biting nails or something like that, or, you know, driving without your seatbelt on. Well, that's very irresponsible. Everybody's touchy these days, aren't they? We have turned into the mamby-pamby country. I thought we were turning into it. People complain at the drop of the hat. You know, oh, I can't believe it. My milkman did not stack the milk bottles properly outside the doorstep. And when I stepped out, I trod on one. You know, that kind of thing. Or people who deliberately trip over pavements. We're all becoming, you know, we are becoming the mamby-pambies. You know, sorry, have you fallen off a ladder recently? Call this number now. They'll sort out some money for you. And that's what it comes down to, doesn't it? I still prefer the programmes on the telly where they sort of discover, you know, people who've been cheating the benefits. Oh, I can't walk. But these are people who are on benefit for life. They've, you know, they don't bother checking them because they've, they've, I don't know why they don't check them. Some bloke said he couldn't walk. He couldn't even lift up a pencil. He needed 24-hour medical help. He was a lying little toe rag. He was fishing and everything. Oh, Oh, you you got me fishing. Yeah, because you're a crook. That's what you are. You're a crook. The key to happiness I've got for you as well today, I know you're going to be very thrilled about this, if you're lying there or sitting there or driving there and you're thinking, what would be the key to happiness? Do you know what it is? It's so simple. It doesn't mean buying yourself a nice car. It doesn't mean, you know, anything at all. It just means having a nap in the afternoon. Having a nap in the afternoon. And that's all it is. A little nap in the afternoon. It's what they call a power nap. See, I do it in the morning. I do it in the morning. So when I get in, sometimes I'll, I'll check out on the internet. I'll sort of have a look at cars and things like that, debating whether or not to change the car. And, uh, and then I have a little nap. And generally speaking, by about half past ten or quarter to eleven, I'm up. Now, today being Friday, 
I will have my little power nap, because that's what I like. My flower pouch has arrived. We're very excited. I've shared them with Paul Smith. He's got three. I've got three. And I've told him how to, how to pack them. This is for the garden, for the summer. Because if we're going to have some nice weather, you know, I want to make sure that we're really going to have some nice weather. So very excited about those which arrived today from a company near Blackpool. A little bit embarrassing. But they work out at like a quid each. You get six of them for six ninety nine, including postage and packing. It's not bad. Uh, Simon in Hampton says Jerry Sadovitz is so offensive he makes Frankie Boyer look like a children's entertainer. Um, well, I've met Jerry Sadovitz on uh, on numerous sketches because he's um, he's a magician. He's a very good card magician, uh, widely acclaimed as you know being being amongst the best. Uh, I think among his uh, th- he's fifty five now. I seriously would put him down. You're going to hate me for this uh, as being as being much older than that. Politically incorrect comedy is no genre to me. It's been ripped off by loads and loads of comics. 2007 voted the greatest stand-up comic. Also one of the best close-up magicians. He's just very clever. He writes lots of books and um, he also published an open letter to reviewers asking them not to quote his material. He actively protects his intellectual property, removing clips of himself from YouTube and uh, torrent sites within hours of their appearance. So there you go. But he's, 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 if, if you met him, you would think he'd be quite difficult. But in fact, once you start talking to somebody, if you're talking to them on the same level about something that you like and they like, then you've got the common, common bond there. I've never thought he was offensive. I mean, to be honest with you, I can understand why people would say Frankie Boyle would be offensive. But there again, you'd have to be an idiot if you go to a Frankie Boyle show and you don't know what he does. That's like, who was that other very rude comedian who used to wear the flying helmet? And uh, Roy, Roy Chubby Brown. I mean, he's just rude. It's just filth. Just filth. I mean, poor old Bernard Manning. He was just a racist. He was just a fat, overblown racist. And although, you know, he actually denied it. He says, I tell jokes. You never take a joke seriously. He was actually booked to do a gay club some years ago. And he came on stage and went, you all look a bit puffy to me. And you think, and you know where you are. Well, obviously he didn't, but uh, he had a club as well. He, he featured on the Wheel Tappers and Shunters social club. Uh, the controversy surrounding his act was, was so much that he was rarely seen on television, but he did theatres and pubs until he died. He died in, I think, about 2007. He was 76. I think he was diabetic. He was everything. He just picked on everybody. You know, it didn't matter who they were, whether it was a, an ethnicity group, uh, minority group, stereotypes, gay people, lesbian. He picked on everybody. There was nobody who was clear of it, uh, unlike Frankie Boyle, who does mainly topical stuff. Topical stuff. I think he did turn up. Did he turn... I mean, when they did his uh, obituary, I mean, everything was fair game. The Irish, Pakistani, Indian, African. Even on the Wheel Tappers and Shunters Club, even on the Wheel Tappers and Shunters Club, I was watching it because they're out on DVD, quite a lot of them, and I I quite enjoyed watching them to see who the acts were on there. They had everybody. Absolutely. Julie Rogers featured on there, and there was uh, Gene Pitney... Chuck, uh, not Chuck Berry, it was um, Bill Haley. They all featured in this little tiny, it was a set. And, and Bernard Manning was, because he was, uh, he was sort of host of this programme. I mean, it was what would now be considered offensive jokes. I think Colin Crompton, exactly the same. He said, uh, order, order. He'd ring his little bell. And one of them, he said, uh, can we please uh, stop our African members throwing their spears at the dartboard? And you think... And that's on the DVD. That's on the DVD. But this went out on television. There was no, nothing that was edited. There was nothing that was sort of taken out because people didn't think about that. I can remember, you know, when when people. I'm trying to think. Somebody on LBC years ago interviewed Bernard Manning. He didn't endear himself. 
Um, you know, if, if you wanted to interview him, unless he did it on the telephone, you had to go to his house and he would sit there in his pants being interviewed. That, that, was, how it, uh, that was how it worked. But um, I, think, I think, actually, if, if memory serves me, the most famous one where he went on Carolina Hearn's show. She's dead, isn't she, Carolina? See, again, I can't cope with all these people going. And she said to him, you're a racist, aren't you? And, um, but again... He didn't think he was. He thought he was speaking for everything. The people who went to his club uh, were people who laughed at those sort of jokes. Because if you think about it, in those days, it was all new. Now, I think we're multicultural. I think we're very, very... Not as, not as multicultural as America, who've been doing it a bit longer, but I think we are multicultural. You know, years and years ago, in his day, you know, people who were coming over to the country, they'd be driving buses or something like that. Nowadays, I don't think... I think you'd be... I think it'd be hard push not to find a corner shop or a kebab shop that wasn't run by people of, neth- of ethnicity, you know, ethnic people. <laughs> I couldn't even say the word, actually. But it's, it's, it's very interesting that things have changed. We are, we are, I don't think I've had any of my drivers. My, my driver this morning, he always tells me, um, <laughs> he always tells me how many times he's picked me up. This morning it was 19 times. I said, we need to have a thing in the car that's got 20 that flashes up. 20, you have picked up Steve Allen 20 times. And uh, he works very hard. He lives up at Camden. He's got a wife and, uh, and children. And he works long hours. His family come from, from Bangladesh. And uh, we were talking about mobile phones today and things like that. We had to always have a good little chat about certain things. And um, he likes picking me up in the morning. And the good news is he's always early. He's always early, so I can always guarantee that he'll he'll be outside when I'm I'm ready to go. It's as simple as that. And so next time round it'll be it'll be the twentieth time. But um, he sort of he he goes home every so often to see the family, and uh, he buys stuff over here and sends it back home again. He works hard. He works hard. It's not easy to make a living in this day and age. You know, a lot of people have got two jobs. I should imagine most of the cleaners in this building have got probably two or even three jobs. You know, that's what people have to survive now. I was speaking to, uh, to somebody the other day, and a mutual friend of ours is moving to Northampton. And I remember thinking, how far away is Northampton? Is it possible to commute from Northampton to London? And then you look at the train times, and actually it is possible to commute. It, it's, a, it's a shorter train journey from Northampton to London than it is if I, get the, if, if I was driving in rush hour from London to Twickenham. It's actually, it's amazing, isn't it, really? So, so there's nothing you can't do nowadays except moan. And we moan, 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 moan. In fact, somebody says here, I'm fed up of sad, pathetic viewers pretending to be offended by what they've seen on TV or heard on the radio. So they've got Ofcom on redial. Yes, I think they're very, they're very busy, Ofcom. Very busy at the moment. No wonder Italian radio now is becoming soft. Too much censorship in this country. We've become mamby-pambies. Because there's always going to be somebody offended. Love Frankie Boyle and Roy Chubby Brown. I could tell you jokes about Roy Chubby Brown and, and stories, but again, it's not repeatable on the programme because now you have to preface everything. If, if, if you say something that somebody might find um, offensive, you have to go, it was a joke. You have to tell people it's a joke. You have to tell the stupid people it's a joke because they don't understand it's a joke. So you have to put subtitles up there. I'm terribly sorry. You know, this is this is for those people listening. OK, this is tits like coconuts. You know, if you say that on the radio and somebody's just tuned in, they get very offended and you go, no, because you, you can also put out bread and milk and everything else for them. And so people go, oh, that's what he was saying. And you sort of think, why do we have to explain it to you? You're supposed to be technically an adult. 
But really, you know, most of the cast of TOWIE would kind of understand this. You know, people tell jokes about everything. You know, the British tell jokes about the Irish. The Irish probably tell jokes about the British. You know, nobody tells jokes about Scottish people, though, do they? Even the Irish tell jokes about the Irish. Go to Vienna and the Austrians tell jokes about the Burgenlanders because they're supposed to be simple. I think even the Americans tell jokes about certain ethnic groups. Everybody tells a joke about somebody. All you've got to do is kind of turn the other cheek. You know, if you get too offended, as I say, then really you need to get out a little bit more. Just I'd mention that this morning because I'm feeling in such a good mood. Why? Because it's Friday and we found a Roman chariot on a Yorkshire council estate. Man, of all the blooming places. Could have understand it, you know, if we'd found it underneath a car park somewhere, but not on a council estate in Yorkshire, please. They don't call them council estates. They call them housing estates. Makes it sound a bit better. I'm sorry if you live on a council estate. Well, I'm not really because, you know, it's obviously your own making. You quite like it there. But if you live on a housing estate, that's supposed to sound better. Does it sound better? Housing estate, council estate, council estate, housing. Because lots of people on council estates own their own properties. So they're probably doing a little bit better than you or I. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Lovely. Gary says, uh, tits like coconuts. They do. Also bread. It, it, but you have to point that out to people. It was a joke. It was a joke, you know, because otherwise somebody will write in and go, I think Steve Allen was being offensive and I can tell you exactly the time that he was offensive. And you think to yourself, it's just, it's so sad, isn't it, really? Lots of uh, wheel tappers and shunters social club on YouTube, says Dean, loving the last show of the week. I know, do you know, I, but the funny thing for me, I was thinking about this the other day because I work a six-day week and more than happy to work a six-day week. I love it, as you know. And so I get Friday off. So what I like to do, is on Friday, I like to make sure I've got no interviews to do on a Friday. So that when I finish, I can be home by 8 o'clock. I can, uh, I can enjoy Friday. I can go out and do some shopping. I can, have a little re- I can do anything I want. I can probably go out and have Kentucky Fried Chicken if I choose so later. Or failing that, I go and have a kebab. I can do anything. And uh, so I quite like that. Then I get all day Saturday as well. And I like that. Then I come into work on Sunday. Then we do a bit of exercise. Not a huge amount of exercise. And then I have a lazy Sunday. So I just, I sort of, it, I just enjoy it. And two days ago, I had a really, really good day. I was, I was in work. I was sort of seeing people that, uh, that I see. In fact, I walked out today and one of the early producers was still here walking out the building. As I was coming into the building, he was walking out. He should have gone hours ago. Kate says, uh, just think, people are having to work three jobs just to look after you. How wonderful. Well, I'm glad you think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful too. I think it's really wonderful. Thank you for sharing that as well. That's lovely, yes. They don't actually have to look after me. It's not a care home, Kate. So I'd explain it to you in case maybe you don't understand things like that. They're just here to uh, to clean the building and they clean it from top to bottom because you probably don't know this. So I'll explain it to you that uh, there's over a thousand of us in this building. Not at this precise moment. There's probably, you know, probably less than a hundred in the building at the moment. But by, by later on today, there'll be about a thousand people in here in this building. We're a very big company. So we have to have people who clean it. That's what people do. People do radio shows. People produce radio shows. People manage radio shows and people clean and I think, and I'm glad you think it's wonderful as well. That's really sweet of you. Thank you so much for that. Unless, of course, you're being sarcastic, in which case, you know, sad o you, sad o you. A stuntman was killed in the chariot race in the film Ben Hur. Says Robbie, wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Loads of horses died during the making of many films in Hollywood, especially in the uh, in the uh, Indian films, the cowboy and Indian films, because what they had, they had um, a thing when when horses went down, they had a wire. 
I don't know if you know this, I'll tell you that now, just for just one of those useless facts. And to make the horse stop and go down if they were being shot at in battle and things like that, they pulled this wire which was attached to the front leg and that automatically stopped them running and they collapsed and lots of horses died during that. Mind you, horses die during races. You know, I've lost track of the amount of horses that have uh, that have died when we've had races on the uh, on the television, or as I prefer to call it, legalised gambling. Because that's what it is. It's just legalised gambling. Uh, 84850. Somebody says, try listen. Oh, I just missed it. Um, says, you're always making jokes about the uh, that noble race, the Northumbrians, says William. We just let them wash over us. Yeah. It's a, but you can take the mickey out of everybody, can't you? Because you're in Newcastle. And uh, what, what's that famous for? Fog and the Tynes all mine, all mine. Fog and the Tynes all mine. You know, uh, and Cheryl, way eh? You know, oldest mother in living memory, 33. And uh, and Northumbrians. I mean, that's why they built a wall. That's why Hadrian popped this wall up there. There was a very good reason for it. Very good reason. But that's it, isn't it? Because I'm I'm quite sure that all you Northumbrians, I'm quite sure that you all take the mickey out of us southern Jessies. You know, you're always going, oh, you southern Jessies down there. You've got everything, don't you think? Driving around in your flash cars and having things like, you know, having sort of baths and having a wee in the bath without getting out to go to the toilet and that sort of stuff. That's considered posh, isn't it? Sliced bread. God, God you don't know you're living. We take whip it out in morning and do all that kind of stuff. That's it. There's always been that, that north-south divide. But I don't think it's ever been serious, has it? It's always been just a bit of a joke. Unless, of course, you're one of those really dreadfully, dreadfully dull people who takes everything terribly seriously. In which case, you probably moan about sort of... Oh, can you imagine somebody moaning about the driver on the brake of the bus? You know, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. You know, as we bounce along. And what sort of person would that be? What sort of person would, would that be? Mike says, you're quite right. Bernard Manning was racist. I lived five minutes drive from his club. I'm black. And for some strange reason, my brother decided to go into Bernard Manning's club with his mates one night 20 years ago. As he walked in, Bernard Manning spotted my brother and said, come in, my friend, just park your spear over there. As soon as he sees somebody he didn't like entering the club, he would include them. People who were non-white, gay or disabled would be his target. I know that gay people did go. Not, not many gay people went, but gay people did. And, and they, they were the sort of sad gay people. You do get sad gay people who sort of go there and, you know, jokes told about gay people. I mean, you can tell jokes about everybody, can't you? People who are too tall, too thin, too fat, too short, too bald, too freckly, too ginger, too red, sticky out ears, you know, big size feet, little size feet, also everything. Every single thing. There is nothing that you can't take the mickey out of somebody for nowadays. That's the way it goes. We're, we're always like that. Otherwise, what we talk about? The weather. Gavin says, I've had customers complain about milk being left the wrong side of the door. Milk too close to the door. Even the wrong bottles. That note said, Milkman, please don't leave co-op bottles. Only leave Unigate bottles. The lady over the road has the co-op dairy and she doesn't wash her bottles out. Hyacinth Bucket does exist, he says, and being found on a Yorkshire housing estate, the question has to be, were the wheels there or was it up on bricks? Ah, this is the chariot. He says, I can say that being a council tenant on an Essex council estate, I've got wheel locks on the car. <laughs> I love the idea that yeah, we, we parked the chariot and uh, it's, it's up on bricks now. Isn't that a great story? Don't you love that? Don't you love that? Oh, I think that's one of the nicest stories. I like a good story at the last day of the month. Lisa says, fabulous. Martin, Jeff, Steve and I are driving to Eeps for the weekend as we speak, just on the M25 to Folkestone. Isn't there a problem on the M25? I can't remember. Is there something going on? My driver was telling me this morning there was, was something happening. I can't remember. It might, it might have been the M1 or the M3. I don't know. Listen, does it matter? It's Friday morning, for goodness sake. Let's enjoy ourselves, shall we? 
And um, Steve says, Noreen, hope you're well and the cardio appointment goes well as, as possible. I haven't actually booked it yet. I'm being a bit naughty. I'm afraid I'm being quite a bit naughty. Uh, I will I will try and get round to it today. <clears throat> we did see the bootleg Beatles tonight. Gets better every time we see it. In fact, it's made us want to revisit Liverpool. And lots of love and hugs to Patsy and Trevor. Yeah, the bootleg Beatles. A friend of mine looks after them. They're very good. What with them and the counterfeit Stones and all the other groups, Faber and things like that. They're great, aren't they? But the bootleg Beatles, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. If you've never seen any of these tribute groups, go. I promise you, they're a ton better than you ever thought possible. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 26 minutes to five. Ricky Gervais hitting back at this, uh, the dead baby gag row, as it's now called. Uh, blasted by a bereaved couple who walked out of a gig over a dead baby's joke. Susie and Ryan Gornley, whose son Eli was stillborn, called the comic just wrong. <clears throat> Perhaps they'd never seen him before, I don't know. Susie said, what is the need? I know our emotions are raw, but why joke about a baby being dead? Ricky hit back over the gig in Belfast, saying, I see offence as the collateral damage of free speech. I hate the thought of ideas being modified because someone somewhere might not like them. Jokes about bad things don't have to be pro those bad things. So he's doing Sheffield on Monday. So if you've had a, a baby or you've lost a child, don't go. You'll be offended. Well, you won't because we've told you about it. So if you go and you're offended, you've not heard this programme. But it's been in all the papers. So, so that's uh, why. <clears throat> Uh, Bernard Manning performed in a time of social change when new boundaries were being formed. Great timing and thought his material unacceptable today. His act grew in the unforgiving northern clubs where he had to play to the audience and make them laugh about things they found funny, says Andy. Yes, I mean, nowadays it would be seen as grossly offensive. It was grossly offensive when you watch it back. That's the embarrassing thing, isn't it? But then we used to have comedies about that. If you, if you look at um, even Faulty Towers, there was, there was gross racism in there. To all sorts of people, to the Germans, to the black doctor in the hospital. There was all sorts of things going on. Irish people, you know, there was everything going on. And it was just, it was of the time. Bernard Manning today wouldn't have survived five minutes. You couldn't have used him anywhere because all of his material was aimed at, you know, people of ethnicity and people of different sexuality. Although, to be honest with you, it didn't look like he ever slept with women to me. You know, and what man sits there in your sitting room wearing your pants, eh, in front of journalists? Somebody very odd, that's who. Uh, today, I can mention that the Mary Ward players are presenting one of their legendary musical shows. Uh, they do this all the time. It's at the Mary Ward Centre, which is in Queen Square, London, WC1. It starts at three o'clock tomorrow. And so it's, a, it's a, a musical show. So if you fancy that, you're in town. It's only three quid. Only three quid on the door. Go on, push the boat out. Push the boat out. So Saturday, 1st of April tomorrow, 3pm, the Mary Ward Centre, Queen Square, London, WC1. And uh, that's from Norman in Bermondsey. Um, they, they were talking about Victoria Beckham, you know, showing her, her sort of humorous side. This is put out by her, her agent. Uh, she wouldn't put this out because they have to say, listen, you have to try and appear on the show. They might gunge you or something like that. OK, and it proves that you've got a personality and a sense of humour. No, it doesn't. It proves you're just desperate for publicity. That's all it proves. It doesn't prove anything at all to me. They say uh, Justin Bieber, Adele and Elton John have already taken part ages ago, darling. Ages ago. She was sort of long, long way down the line. And so she's smiling here. Unfortunately, because she's now 42, um, she sort of does this interview. She's flogging her own stuff on there. That's what it is. It's a plug show. But uh, James Court, he'll put anybody on there. 
He'll put anybody on. As I say, he's done Elton John, all the rest of it, because they know that it's a good show to be on. She, obviously, because she's not great at chat shows, she doesn't really know what to say, does she, on chat shows. She just sort of sits there. And then, and then she says here, she, she thinks she's known as the Ice Queen. I don't think so. I think, is, it, is this just another tag you're going to see? You know, she was known as the Ice Queen. Now she's known as Frozen to Death. No, nothing there at all. Kevin Bacon, talking about coping with panic attacks, he says, we all have our worries, and I still suffer anxiety. I use songwriting as my therapy. They all suffer from it, don't they? As I say, we had um, Peter Andre on the television the other day talking about his panic attacks. Apparently he was having 20 a day. Had to get his agent to cancel his gigs. Uh, what else we got here? This is uh, Make Him Happy. This is Snoozing in the Afternoon. Do tr- try it today. See if you feel feel any better about it. And uh, the good news is that T-Rex was not the fearsome king of dinosaurs, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. In fact, uh, he was a sensitive lover. Uh, they say he had a snout as sensitive as human fingertips. Uh, he was 20 feet tall. He would have used his tactile nose to build nests and pick up eggs and babies. And it's also, he says, uh, possible they rubbed faces whilst mating. Well, how do they know this? They've got photographs. Any evidence to suggest this? No, nothing at all. Oh, look, Ollie Mers is on tour. Special guest, Louisa Johnson. No, none the wiser. None the wiser, but she's obviously working cheap. Uh, Ollie Mers is out there. He's, he's sold out of um, two of them already. So he, he's doing better than Bross. Sorry to mention Bross on a Friday, but I think coming up the end of the month, I feel duty-bound to mention Bross as often as possible. Prince Charles is out there. A friend of mine went to Buckingham Palace the other day uh, for something with uh, Prince Charles. He got photographs done and all the rest of it. He said they've got so many nice pictures inside Buckingham Palace. You know, Van Dykes, Vermeers, all sorts of things. And uh, and I said, well, I shouldn't imagine they actually appreciate it. I don't think they go and sit in front of them every day because it's just part of the collection, isn't it? Part of the collection. Uh, Channel 5 comes of age with a reality show that's life-affirming. This is people swapping, you know, uh, people, council estate swapping with somebody in, in big house. And so you've got the caddies who are rich and the Williamses who are headed by decent, well-adjusted parents who worked hard for their different amounts of, of, uh, of money and who simply wanted what was best for their children. So it's quite interesting. Although somebody, when they were filming, opened his window on this council estate. Take your effing cameras elsewhere. <clears throat> He'll have his own show shortly, won't he? No, he won't. Uh, five die in this helicopter crash. The company boss and his wife feared victims in the peak horror. Uh, they were flying to Dublin, I think. I think they were going there for, um, for a christening or something like that. Uh, plus, grog on the tine, not fine, not fine. Grog on the tines, not fine. Yes, this turns out that there's a booze cruise taking place. A mass booze cruise. 3,000 people expected to float down the Tyne whilst drinking. Uh, this is in um, um, a, a sort of uh, inflatable boats. They're a little bit worried that the wash caused by it might cause accidents. And if people are, people are drinking on it as well. But, you know, who cares? It's what they do up there. Uh, it's, not, it's not the best thing to do. I do like the story, though. And uh, just be warned... You won't get fitter than a quick fit fitter. They're the boys for us. Yep, they're the boys who pinch your car, park it in a disabled space and then go off shopping. Uh, Such was the case of a lady called Nicola Finn. Nicola Finn noticed her Vauxhall Adam two hours after she dropped it off at one of Quick Fit's garages for an MOT. She confronted the Quick Fit employee who was dressed in the company uniform after he emerged from a bank and says he told her he was taking the car on a road test but he parked it in a disabled bay. 
She says this quick-fit worker was queer, clearly not disabled, so it's an insult. To park there in somebody else's car is even worse. It's arrogant and rude. He couldn't explain why it was in a disabled bay. Uh, apparently, uh, she said the man told her he'd been doing banking for work before he drove off. She said he didn't even offer me a lift. I had to walk 15 minutes back to the quick-fit garage. I was absolutely fuming. They tried to offer me the MOT at a reduced price, but I refused to pay a penny. The car had its MOT in a hometown of Boreham Wood in Hertfordshire. The engineer was in the high street when she saw the Vauxhall in a clearly marked disabled bay. So she took a picture. Quickfit says we've apologised to Miss Finn, refunded the cost of her MOT and service and offered her next service an MOT free. We've also offered to make a donation to a charity for people with disabilities. I should bloody well think so. Absolutely. I hope the employee's been fired. Taking somebody's car out, parking in a disabled bay. That's the worst thing, is it? And then toddling off to go and do banking. Dear me. The company said it had strict policies on road tests, saying an investigation's being undertaken. People caught parking in disabled bays without authorisation face being hit with a fine of around 75 quid. So be warned if you're going to quick fit. I notice they, they, they've treated this so seriously. They've treated it so seriously that, um, that they've given her the free MOT, the free service and the next one whenever it comes up. And, um, and they've offered to make a substantial donation to a charity for people with disabilities. That's how serious they, they think it is. But uh, no mention of firing the employee who took her car out and decided just to go banking for the company because he must have got some authorization. You don't just go. You don't just go and they go. I'm going to the bank and they go. Okay. Um, what do you want some money? Because he must have known about it. He would have taken the money with him, wouldn't he? The warm weather's set to last another week. That's good, isn't it? Set to last another week. Will you be sunbathing later on today, ladies and gentlemen? I hope so. Uh, Scott the cabbie says that just dropped at the Bank of England from Essex. Now on to Heathrow, waving as I drive past Global's towers. Superb show, as always. And uh, thank you. And Steve says, oh, no, not a gay T-Rex. I know. You can imagine if they were gay, can't you? Or, or hermaphrodite or something like that. It'd be quite interesting. I love the way they say this is how they, they did it. They were obviously very caring. And, uh, and I'm sort of thinking, but how do they know this? How, how is this known? You know, can you sort of actually work this out and say, well, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very caring... They would have killed you. These things were 20 feet tall. I've seen them in Jurassic Park. They're very dangerous. Very dangerous at all. I saw Bernard Manning, Steve, uh, live in 92. It was a disgustingly unfunny experience then. And today he'd have probably faced a criminal charge. For instance, he stated, you're welcome to visit my club so long as you're not black or gay. But he did have black and gay people in there. That was the thing. He did have it. I'm not defending him in any way, shape or form because uh, I was never a fan of Bernard Manning. Uh, what about Alf Garnet? says David. Remember him? He was funny. Yes, that was another character, wasn't it? Uh, my wife's mixed race, Jamaican and English mix. Her and her granddad, when he was alive, loved watching it. Well, we used to have one of our most popular comedy shows was... Um, I can't remember it now. But it was with a black couple next door and the white couple. And um, what do they call it? It'll come to me in a minute. I could see, I could see the couple. I could see the black couple. I could see the white couple. And uh, the whole premise of it was that the black couple won every week. It was called what? Love Thy Neighbour. And that was on the television all the time. The other one, do you ever see... Oh, come on, well, this one was called either now. But it was in a school. Mind your language. Mind your language. And everybody was a stereotype in there. They had all the people in this uh, English language school. And uh, they, everybody was stereotype. 
the Indian person was forever doing stereotypical Indian things. And every single person, the Swedish girl was all big bosoms sticking out the front and all the rest of it. That was another programme. It was of the time. I was watching the black and white minstrel show. They brought it back a short while ago. People go, we can't have things like that. I mean, nowadays you can't, but in those days people did. You know, the black and white minstrel show running at the Victoria Palace, I think, was one of the longest running shows. Longest running shows. Mind you, proving that we've gone so far down the line now that it's impossible to come back. A bit like Brexit. Uh, nothing like topicality on this programme. I tell you, I'm up there. I'm there with Miss Bangles. I tell you, it's no frightening me. Um, the HSBC has gone PC. Yes, it doesn't matter what, uh, what sexuality you are now. Get my drift. The HSBC caters for you. And I'll tell you exactly how you can make a transaction in a moment. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. So if you want to make a transaction, you go to the HSBC. They've gone PC and you can pick uh, what title you would like on your account. You might want uh, Mr or Mrs. Uh, You might want individual, in which case it's IND. You might be a combination of Miss and Sir in which case it's MSR. Mystery could be MYR. Person is PR. Neutral is SAI. Uh, neutral is also SER. Uh, miscellaneous. Miscellaneous. And uh, mix is MX or individual, IND. That's how many different titles you can have on your account. Ian Collins, you remember if you were listening to Ian Collins yesterday, he was talking about that story last night. So he introduced a guest uh, and said to him, this is, I barely repeat the word myself, ladies and gentlemen. He said, this is cobblers, isn't it? Which, of course, it is. How many of you ever heard of such a stupid thing in your entire life? Apparently, the service is launched on the International Transgender Day of Visibility. It's what? The, it's called the Transgender Day of Visibility. Apparently, Metro Bank introduced a neutral option on forms for customers as well. So, uh, the chosen titles will feature on bank cards and all correspondence. Apparently, how many transgender people live in the UK? Half a million, they reckon. Half a million? Oh, Lord above, it'll be compulsory by Christmas. I mean, that's, I mean if there's 500,000 transgender people... We found one the other day, do you remember? He's 91 or 90, and uh, he's been waiting since he was three. So I'm assuming he's, he's probably going to have... I don't know what you would put down if you're, if you're transgender. Uh, coming out is difficult says Stuart Barrett, who's the HSBC Pride, the bank's lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender employee network. I don't know there was such a thing. I know that there's a gay metropolitan police federation thing as well. But this is Stuart Barrett of HSBC Pride, the bank's lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender employee. Do they have to be treated differently? Do you have to treat people who are gay differently from somebody who's straight? Or from somebody who's transgender. Well, why, why would you... T- I know loads of... Well, I know a few people who are transgender. I don't treat them any differently to anybody else at all. That's the whole idea, isn't it? That people become acceptable. You don't even think about it. I don't walk down the street and go, Oh, my God, that's trans, that's trans. I don't, I don't even notice these sort of things. I don't even think about it. So, you know, when they sort of say... It's always a bit patronising, isn't it? Oh, yes, we're here to look after the needs of gay... Trans, bisexual, lesbian, people who are intersex, which is another... There's so many different... Honestly, it makes your life seem so dull, doesn't it? If you've got to the age of 17, you don't know what you are, I'll run through a list for you later, because you might find out that you're trans. You might not be, you might be bi. 
You might be lesbian. I mean, admittedly, for some of you, that could probably be a, a slight problem. But uh, it's everywhere, isn't it? It's like whenever you get people on the... And it was always on Big Brother. There'd always be somebody who was trans. You think, and you, can, you can tell straight away. You just know when they go, I've got a secret, you think, I don't think you have. You know, people want to tell you about these things. Like somebody come up to you saying, I'm six foot tall. You go, you're not. They go, I am. But as was pointed out a short while ago, you can change your body into something else, but your mind stays the same. That's the only thing that you cannot change. You can't change your mind. So, you know, you might be trans from male to female, but you think male. You don't think female. You can't change that uh, that side of you at all. Melanie B is livid. Melanie B is livid, as indeed she would be. After Victoria Beckham belted out Spice Girls songs, Scary Spice slammed her performing the band's hits after snubbing a planned reunion. The source said last night, Mel is livid. Victoria is all of a sudden embracing her Spice Girls past after years. Well, of course, she never sang. She never featured on any of the main vocals on any of these things, I don't think so. Mel was desperate for the girls to go on a very lucrative reunion tour. Once Posh pulled out, they had no choice but to ditch it. What do you want to go on a lucrative tour for? According to the papers, dear, you're supposed to be worth £40 million. What do you need to go on a lucrative tour for? Victoria said she was happy for her ex-bandmates to tour without her, but performing only new stuff. Because as she's got under credit. They managed to do this in the Spice Girls. They managed to get themselves on the writing credits. So technically, she could stop them performing her songs. So what would be the point of that? Why would you want to go see the Spice Girls? Unless they're going to sing, ah, tell you what you want. What you, well, you know, why would you do that? Mel is said to be preparing to try to stop her. Last night, the source said, Mel feels it's unfair. Victoria is now using their music to boost her profile. I told you they never liked each other. I told you it was all going horrible. I told you it was all going pear-shaped. Uh, the law says in the Maldives, made up of more than a thousand coral islands, it's a strict Islamic nation. Sharia law calls for Muslim women to cover their heads. Tourists who go topless or nude face prison or hefty fines. Alcohol is heavily regulated, but can only be drunk inside tourist resorts. And so Katie Price, with her hilarious new bosoms, I think this is about the eighth operation she's had. I mean, she just looks ridiculous. But there again, she always looked ridiculous before. She's old. She passed it a long time ago. They always sort of talk about her former glamour model. From donkeys years ago. Donkeys years ago. I mean, uh, she previously angered, uh, angered locals by going topless in 2009 after she plipped, uh, slipped from Peter Andrex. Another British holidaymaker said it's against the law and uh, it's tacky. I don't know how she got away with it. Well, to be honest with you, she should apologise because it's an insult to uh, to as uh, an Islamic state. That's uh, absolutely appalling. But of course, she couldn't give a toss. She couldn't, she couldn't care less. Seriously, why should she care? I'm Jordan, like you know, because I'm like really interesting. No, you're not. No, you're not. Uh, also, another picture of Abby Clancy. It's, she always sort of goes out, doesn't she? They have a. She, she's going. She's only five foot nine inches tall. She's not exactly a giant in terms of modelling. Can't wear jeans properly either. Very bad. And um, here she is. She was uh, going out doing nothing, but with a photographer. So they, they take a picture of her and they go, oh, look, here's Abby Clancy. Like, we're supposed to be interested. Seriously. Uh, Keith Palmer has received the same honour as Margaret Thatcher after the Queen allowed his body to lie in a special Parliament chapel. Uh, it'll rest in Westminster's St Mary's Undercroft. That honour is normally respected and reserved for distinguished heads of state. The former Prime Minister was the last person afforded the privilege. And so our relatives and colleagues will go there uh, the day before his full police funeral at Southwark on April the 10th. 
So we've got another another ten days before the funeral there. Uh, a lot of the papers talking about George Michael's funeral, and uh, and they say, and this is his his grave. You can't see it. His his grave is in Highgate Cemetery, which is part of a tour. It's twelve quid if you want to go and have a look, but you won't see his grave. They sp- they specifically tell you on this tour you will not be shown George Michael's grave. Because what they don't want is people to start running over and going, George, 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 and all that kind of stuff, and laying down flowers and stuff like that. Because And there is no, there's no memorial on it. Why? Because you don't get those until the earth's settled. So you, you bury somebody, and then you wait for the earth to settle, and then eventually they put in. Otherwise, you have it all wonky. Your cross could fall over. You don't want a wonky cross, do you? That would be a disaster, and I don't know what it would say. Will it say George Michael, or will it say his real name on there? Will it say so-and-so, so-and-so, known as George Michael? Because I think people would know what his what his mother's grave looks like, and we've seen a picture of that. And I think he's just he's just in front of her there, probably having an old natter, I should imagine, at the moment, aren't they? I wonder what they'd be talking about. My God, son, took you a long time to get here, and you go, I'm sorry, Mum, 92 days, what can I do about it? About the only part of my life I can't control. Because it is. It, it just took forever and ever and ever. But I want to see who was the guest list. I want to see the guest list. Apparently it was a small number of people, and then we want to know, don't we? We want to know the will. We want to know what the will says. And is it a new will? Is it an old will? Uh, Is it a will that includes everybody? Will there be millions of pounds floating around? Or will it be, you know, £50,000 to this person, 50000 to the other? Because he was generally quite uh, quite generous. He was certainly, certainly a giver, was our George. He was, uh, he, was, he was very much into that. In fact, he enjoyed giving, I think, more than anything else. That, that sort of gave him the most pleasure. So that's why I'm, I'm curious to know what the will says. I, th- I, think, he'd, I think a lot to charities. A lot, he'll have certain charities that he'll be giving a lot of money to. And then, but if, if it's as, as big as 100 million, that's a lot of people to put in a will. I mean, mine isn't anywhere near 100 million. Nowhere near it. Might be 50 million plus after tonight. But, I mean, I've got to wait for Camelot to phone me and tell me I won the money. Uh, and then I could be on an advert. Uh, I've just had a check of your ticket, Steve, and it looks like, yes, you have won 50 million. All you're then going to hear from me is a whole line of expletives. Every rude... I'm going to make Gordon Ramsay look like little Bo Peep. I tell you, if, if, if somebody says to you, I've checked your ticket, and yes, because have you heard it on the adverts? They say, yes, you have won a million. Yes, I won it in the lottery. Oh, I can't believe it, says this woman who quite clearly smokes. You've never heard she's got a gruff voice like that. Sounds like Vera Duckworth in Coronation Street. And, uh, and you think you won a million pounds. Million pounds, you imagine? How excited your life would be with a million pounds, ladies and gentlemen. I get excited over 50,000. Seriously. In fact, I must check my wallet again today. I might have 50,000 in there. I've got, to, I've got to find the other half of my pen. You know, my, my, my bottom fell off. And I'm slightly disturbed by it. And I need to come up into town, but I can't be bothered to do it. Coming up into town, having sort of been in town all week. So I might have to do that next week when I've got interviews. Can you imagine? Oh, Steve, I'm just checking my ticket. Yeah, oh, Steve, you, you've won £13.50. And you've got a chance to go in for a million pound. I'm so excited, yeah. <laughs> I quite like the idea, actually. It's when you phone them up, you go, I think... Because I, I do it on the internet, and it says on there, you know, if you've won, like, a lot of money. And the most I ever won was 4,000 quid. I got excited over 4,000 pounds. Isn't that funny? The things we get excited over nowadays. Little little thing like 4,000 quid. I was jumping up and down going, 4,000 pounds! Anyway, coming up very shortly, the news at 5 o'clock this morning. It's uh, the last day of the month. It's your opportunity to sort of... I don't know why I did at the beginning of the show, pinch and a punch. 
for the first day of the month, because we've got to wait till tomorrow for that, haven't we? I've just realised. But there's nothing like doing it in advance. Uh, the NHS, who sacked the nurse, who sang The Lord is My Shepherd. Lonely people hit harder by the common cold. So, in other words, if you're a lonely person, you get colds more often than other people. Jane Birkin has got a bag named after her by one of the big bag companies. It's so big, this bag, she can't even carry it now. Victoria Beckham is supposed to have a collection of handbags worth one and a half million pounds. <laughs> pretentious rubbish. Uh, the school that asked pupils, can you bring your own toilet rolls? Because we can't afford to supply toilet rolls. All of that, and Katie Price blasted for sexing up her daughter age nine. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a pretty nice to be company. Friday, 31st of March. I made it wrong. I just realised I was wrong at the beginning of the programme. Because I did pinch and a punch first day of the month, and of course it's not. It's last day of the month, so I'm just, I'm changing it. I've decided to change it, so let's not do first day of the month. Let's be completely different and go pinch the punch for the last day of the month. What difference does it make? An April Fool's Day tomorrow. I don't know what was... Oh, I don't know. Oh, you know what you're going to have to do tomorrow, don't you? It's such a shame I'm not on air. Because you have to go through the newspapers to find the April Fool's. They always do them. They always do them. There'll be a few items in the paper about, you know, the first rocket has already landed on Mars and somebody's opened up a McDonald's or something stupid. It'll be something like that. But you have to check the papers tomorrow. And then the easiest thing to do, I always think, is to listen to LBC because people will be telling you exactly what the April Fools are in the newspapers. And I bet even then they'll miss a few of them. Is it funny? Over the years, we've had some really odd April Fools on the television. What was one of them? Spaghetti Harvest. Do you remember the spaghetti harvest, which I thought was quite good? I can't remember some of the other big April Fools that they did on the television. I'm still waiting for them to drag out the Loch Ness Monster, you know, and actually have this enormous creature that they say, we finally proved it. There you go. That's given the, somebody from the papers. Going, what a brilliant idea. Let's get one of those inflatable bouncy castles. But what we'll do is we'll sort of paint it brown and cover it in sort of like seaweed and we'll pretend it's been dragged up on the shore. I mean, that could be... Very, I think that's a brilliant one, actually. I wish I'd not given it to them for free. I think it's, like, it's quite a good one. The, uh, the Loch Ness Monster comes back from the deep. Steve, those Spice Girls should be given a reality check. They were hardly the second coming of the Beatles. They were a little girl group with a fan base of mainly seven-year-olds. I wish they just enjoyed their money and stopped whining and wittering. It's, I mean, it's... Uh, I don't know. Listen, it's the same with everything nowadays. I, I promise you, if I sat down with any of the Spice Girls, and we sort of chatted about it, people would probably be all nice about it. But individually, people say things, and sometimes they might regret it. When you think they were all together, and then Jerry just disappears off, uh, she was supposedly the feisty one in the group. She turned out to be the bore of the group, which is a shame, really. Most successful one was the one who didn't contribute as much to the Spice Girls as the other. And by contribute, I mean they didn't give her any lead vocals or anything else. She was just there in the background, sort of willowy, dancing away, sort of kind of thing. You know, Mama, we love you, and all that kind of stuff. And that's why it was interesting, because there was no girl power. They were a group that was controlled by men who were running their career, and there are still men running their career. You know, none of this, this this girl power stuff never existed. They were put together by men. Their career was managed by men. Uh, they got themselves onto the writing credits. I don't know how that happened, but it effectively means that any one of them can veto the songs being used. So when the Spice Girls came back, they recorded a brand new song, which actually was really good. I thought it was a really good song, actually. I liked it. Um, and so that's why. So now Victoria's used it because that's her linchpin. But, you know, before you know where you are, she'll be the lead singer, lead singer of the Spice Girls again. But people do whine and witter because that's what we do. 
where there's money concerned and where there is publicity concerned, I wouldn't mind, but, you know, Scary Spice, she's earned a bit of money. She's got some money in the bank. You know, why, why, why would you ever complain about anything? So Victoria wants to go on carpool karaoke and sing some Spice Girl things. I mean, you know, she was never a great singer. I think we know that. Uh, and she'd be the first person to admit that she's not a great singer. She's doing this for publicity. It's got nothing to do with promoting the Spice Girls. What else could she sing? She doesn't know anything else. She can only sing the Spice Girls song. So that's, you know, that's the way I see it. And I'm very, very rarely wrong in these things. They've all got their money. They're all very successful. They're all very popular. It's just that probably collectively they've done it. Even the Beatles went their separate ways. You know, Paul McCartney is still touring, still touring. And I'm quite sure that George Harrison, had he lived, would still be, you know, campaigning and still playing and living in that super house, which I think is called Friars Park. The only house I've ever heard of with an underground lake. I mean, you know, he, he, he left a lot of money. But they lead very private lives, very private lives. George, George's widow and his son, very private. Very pre- you don't see them out and about. They don't, they don't feel the need to do it. It's only the average people who feel the need to go out and sort of constantly push themselves. People from reality shows are sort of, you know, the dingbats of this current generation. They've got no discernible talent. They just turn up, either flash their boobs or have sex with each other. And this apparently is called celebrityism. How it works, I've got no idea. Because, you know, I'll be glad when it all finishes. I really will. I'll be very, very glad when eventually... Some, I mean, the, the latest thing is they've, they've signed that vicar from Gogglebox or Googlebox or whatever it is, to appear on the um, the um, the celebrity baking thing with John Turode and, uh, and the other bloke. And, and you think, who is she? She's just a vicar. Just a vicar on a programme, and now she's a celebrity. Like Scarlett Moffat is a celebrity. Well, if it lasts a year, I'll be blooming well surprised, because eventually these people get found out, and they suddenly realise that they can't actually do anything. There's nothing that they can do. You don't see Peter Andre fronting his own programme on the television, do you? Because he can't do it. He cannot do it. It's always embarrassing when these people sort of crawl out of the woodwork and they go, oh, I think I'd like to do this. That's why you don't see Spencer Matthews fronting any programme. Because he can't do it. That's why, you know, the, the few odd people that they've used from reality shows, they're very few and far between those that can actually link two words together or read an auto cue. It's just embarrassing. So that's why eventually I like to see them getting found out and somebody goes, eventually, let's not bother using them. Let's find some, some, some proper people. Because proper people don't want to do it because they don't want to screw their uh, careers up. And yet nowadays, if you've been in a soap and all of a sudden they write you out or you decide to leave, you're out in the wilderness. You leave EastEnders, you're finished. The reason you're finished is because there's no publicity machine behind you. There is nobody behind you to go, oh, look, so-and-so was seen out on the town the other night. You know, every time it happens, you know, the Kim Marshes go out there. There's a publicity machine at Coronation Street. It pumps out stories about the celebrities. Where have you been? You went to this party. Here's a picture. We push it out to the press. The moment they leave there, they don't have that. They've got to pay for that. They've got to go and find an agent who is good enough to do it. And I can only think of basic, not even a handful of agents. Not even a handful. I mean, Jonathan Shallot, I think, probably has more people on his books, Global Talent, than anybody else. Seriously, and he seems to get them work and they get filmed and they get pictured and papped in the streets and all the rest of it. And that's what people want. But he doesn't take everybody on. There must be loads he turns down that he really goes, I can't really do anything. He's, he's got to get a feeling about it. If he can make money out of somebody, that's what it's about. It's, it's very difficult. You know, the idea, I mean, put it this way, if the Beatles were all still alive, would they have got back together again? No. I don't believe John Lennon would ever have wanted to get back together again and still go out singing 
the songs that made them famous. And that's why it's so good that we've, we've got them on DVD and we've got them on. There's a lovely piece on YouTube of John Lennon doing an interview, and I think it might be Australia, and he just picks up the guitar and starts singing. It's like they didn't ask him to. He just picked it up and started singing. And people are going, and they just let the cameras roll. They just let it roll because that then becomes part of history. You know, I mean, I, I haven't actually checked, but I'm sure there must be on YouTube, interviews with the Spice Girls. But did they ever sing on any programmes? When I say sing, did they just carry on sitting down doing their chatting and then go into a set little piece? I don't know. I'll probably go and check that a little bit later on, actually. Uh, <coughs> Gary says, how does allowing trans people to be addressed as they prefer harm? Um, what's anyone else? Oh, anyone else, sorry. I haven't picked up on this sort of uh, this computer speak. Maybe we should call everyone male stroke female stroke whatever. Stroke Mr. Stroke Sir. Is it because it doesn't matter, does it? I think Oi You sounds much nicer if you're going to be addressing somebody. There's no provision at HSBC who've got a transgender person who sort of deals with all that stuff. I mean, they must have more staff from all over the place than anybody else. They've actually got a liaison officer, HSBC Pride. What is going on? I mean, when I go in there, do you think I should say, excuse me, do you have a gay member of staff I could deal with? Um, any, any lesbians in this particular branch? Sorry? Do you have any lesbians? Uh, no. Well, I'm not working here, then. I should go and work somewhere else. I should go and take my business elsewhere. I mean, because I've never actually thought about staff in banks being gay or not. Never crossed my mind. I shall start looking very... I'm going to start using the HSBC. I'm going to start having a good old look and finding out exactly who's, uh, who's serving behind the counter. I don't bank with HSBC. But I just quite like the idea of finding out. I mean, should they have badges on? By the way, I'm transgender. Ask me. You know, that'd be nice, isn't it? I'm gay. Oh, well, you could find those ones easily. You know, uh, especially if they're all like Bobby Cole Norris. Uh, meet Mr Bigger. Mr Bigger is around. This is men's bodies that have changed over the years. Men are now bigger, apparently, than they were uh, all those years ago. And of course they are, because we've got fast food. You know, we've got fast food. We've got the fact that years ago, we didn't sit in front of the television. Now, I slob in front of the television. I shall slob in front of the television tonight. I shall probably... Watch Morse, courtesy of uh, Sylvie and Ron. I will probably do that. Um, and I shall probably open a bottle of Prosecco. And I might have, I don't know, cottage pie or something to eat tonight with peas. No, actually not peas. They're very fiddly peas, aren't they? I might do it with sweet corn, which is equally fiddly. But if I use a spoon, it should be OK. And, and, that'll, and I'll be quite happy. Quite happy. I should make the phone calls. I should get shouted at by friends of mine who have gone, have you been and seen the cardiologist yet? No, I haven't. Not just yet. I will. I will. I will. I will. But I haven't done it at the moment. Um, the other story of the paper today, if you've only just uh, woken up, is the key to happiness is taking a short nap in the afternoon. And Jan Moyer says, what we said ages ago, the best way to stop revenge porn. Revenge porn is where you go out with somebody and when you finish with them, for reasons best known to yourself, because they're basically a dipstick, is that they've got nude pictures of you and then they send them round onto the internet. And it can be anything. You know, people, people get filmed doing all sorts of things as part of revenge porn. And she says the best way to stop it is to stop posing in the nude in the first place. Which, of course, is the best sound advice. It's the advice that, pardon me, I gave out some time ago. You know, if you, if you don't want to see pictures of yourself on the internet, start naked. Don't take pictures of yourself, start naked. OK? You know, bad enough having dipsticks in reality shows. And, and there is a site... I won't tell you what it is because it gives it credibility, but it's got lots of male performers throughout the world exhibiting themselves on the internet. 
and then complaining about it. Sam Callahan was another one, some old has-been from a, from a singing show, who disported himself on the internet in a variety of poses. They've all done it. Lee Ryan's done it. Everybody. In fact, at one time, it became like a badge of honour. How many more nude, average, D-list celebrities can you find? You know, these people... Th- and you think to yourself, shouldn't you maybe trust, try and find a job? Do something. We know Lee Ryan's in EastEnders. What if anybody's going to say to him in EastEnders, you're Lee Ryan! You were in blue! But apparently they don't recognise him at all. Perhaps they're a bit cocooned. It's all very odd, isn't it? Anyway, I'm sure we will uh, we will unravel the mystery of, of celebrityism and people who want to desperately take their clothes off and, and show themselves to people. Why? I wouldn't... I've even covered up the camera on my computer lest somebody could find a way of sort of seeing me. I mean, to be honest with you, wearing a dressing gown with a cravat isn't exactly the most erotic thing I can think of, but, you know, it's a little bit worrying. You won't find nude pictures of Steve Allen on the internet, I promise you. It does not... You know, Steve Allen doesn't even possess nude pictures of Steve Allen. That would be... The, what, the, the... Mark Zuckerberg, who runs Facebook, yeah, he covers his web... See, I'm obviously in good company. Cover your webcams up. They might find some way of seeing into your place. Horrible, horrible. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Very misleading on the front of the Daily Star this morning. I only mention it because it is very misleading. And they've got little tiny box to the left-hand side of the main story, which is Katie Price blasted for sexing up daughter. Uh, I couldn't really care less what Katie Price does in her life. She's the most boring person you're ever likely to meet. Dull, dull, uninteresting, and with the most boring, monotonous voice. I mean, seriously, drones on and on and on. But they've got George, first picture of Grave. The first picture of music legend George Michael's grave has been revealed. The singer was buried in a makeshift tomb. It wasn't a makeshift tomb at all. Uh, Next to his mum. It isn't next to his mum either. Uh, After a funeral for his closest friends and family on Wednesday. And they've got... And then a picture of a cross. They've got memorial headstone. This is his mother's. And they don't have a picture of the grave because it's surrounded by corrugated iron. Uh, And it's in a part of the cemetery which is only accessible on a tour, which costs £12, because it's a private bit of the, uh, of the cemetery up at Highgate. And also, they specifically say to you, it's no good paying 12 quid because we're not going to be showing you George Michael's grave. It's as simple as that. So this is a lie from start to finish. There is no first picture of the grave. All they've got is the same picture everybody else has got um, of a piece of corrugated iron around a grave. But the memorial is his mother's. As anybody will tell you, if you've got half a brain cell, which they quite clearly don't have for this particular story, they've actually got, you know, you have to wait for the ground to settle. You can bury somebody and then the ground settles and it takes a little while. Then you fill in over the top and then you can put the memorial in. But it takes months to get the memorial in. They don't put them in straight away. And uh, they've got here George's cousin, Andros Georgia, who's not his cousin. This is just this big mouth who shouts off at every opportunity. He's very boring and very dreary. And uh, he blasted Faddy. And uh, saying the star's only real love was Anselmo Filippa, who died of AIDS. Listen, George put it about all over the place. Everybody knew that. Ask anybody. But uh, somebody called Toby, Toby, who's a a songwriting pal of George's, says that the star died alone and deserved to die in the arms of a loved one. Well, what's he got to do with you? Mind your own business. Got nothing to do with you. Bruce Way, Faddy found him. If he hadn't, nobody else would have found him. Not his cousin. 
or anybody else or his ex. No, nobody. Faddy found it because he went there to see him. I mean, obviously, everybody deserves to die with somebody, but sadly, this has got nothing to do with you. Mind your own business. Don't make yourself sound stupid, for goodness sake. Football's ready for gay players. You think? You think it is? There's a man here in the paper uh, called... um, called Eddie Howe. I think he's Bournemouth's manager, if memory serves. And he said that he would sign... He would sign gay players... He says, without any hesitation, if they were the right player for the club, I can see openly gay players in the future. It's only a matter of time. And so they talk about, you know, gay players who generally come out after they retire. In fact, in 2014, I think uh, Thomas uh, Hilsberger was the one who came out. Hitzelsberger. Oh, right. Hitzelsberger. Well, he came out anyway. It's a very gay name. What can I tell you? But he'd actually played for loads of people. Aston Villa, West Ham and Everton. But then he announced he was gay shortly after he retired. They don't do it while they're in there because 20,000 people in a stadium are going to be singing rude songs about you. And so I'm quite sure, in fact, I'm 99.9% certain that there are gay football players out there at the moment. Uh, There was also the former lead striker, Robbie Rogers, please. Uh, He also came out after leaving Leeds. They all do it, don't they, as they go to to retirement because it's safer that way. But uh, I don't know why, out of all the sports, football is the one where, you know, you've not got uh, gay people running up and down the pitch. I mean, really? I mean, who wants to put on your whites and then get them dirty and things? I mean, really, that would be a nightmare. A nightmare. You have to go home to your mother and go, I'm really sorry. Shorts got dirty today. And my trainers are, oh, it's just a nightmare. My hair got blown about all over the place. And then when I scored the goal, they all came and ruffled my hair, which dislodged it slightly. Oh, no, that's the Wayne Rooney one, isn't it? The hair. Uh, Who apparently, even the name Wayne has gone out of fashion. I wasn't aware it was ever in fashion. But anyway, and so gay football players, openly gay football players in years to come. I should imagine everything. Everything in years to come. You know, why not? Trans. Trans players, well, you know, I, mean, I could see everything in, in years to come. Obviously can't see it at the moment. Because who, who's going to be the first openly gay player playing for a club now? Who's going to want to sit in the baths? Come on. It's not going to happen, is it? Because, you know, footballers are supposed to be super butch. I mean, they might be super butch, but by God, they're among some of the dumbest people I've ever even seen. When you see them being interviewed, you know, you, you, you can dress somebody up and take them to the water, but whether or not they can actually speak when they get there is another thing. And most of these football players, I watch the, the footballing programmes because I, I take a keen interest, not. And, um, and you hear them talking, oh, well, they're talking about half the time. They talk utter rubbish. They really do. Very worrying. Oh, look, a lovely picture of the worst dress group in the world. It's Little Minx. Mix. Little Mix are out there dressing up here. And um, I don't know what, what they're wearing, but they just look really, really bad. Poor old Jesse Nelson. I mean, just getting worse and worse. I couldn't tell you the names of the other ones at all. I only know about her. And uh, one who used to go out with Zayn Malik. And I can't remember her name either. So that's fairly good. Uh, Pete Doherty is stressed out after Liam Gallagher pinched his bassist. Pete Doherty's not still around, is he? Good God in heaven. The people who sort of come back from the other side are there. But uh, poor old Pete Doherty. And uh, who who gets four stars? One, two, three. Yep, Jamiroquai. And uh, they reckon one of the best unexpected comebacks since Craig David. So there you go. Just not blessed with height. You see, he's not not the tallest person I've ever seen. But uh, he's back again. Somebody was playing a piece of his music the other day. It's really good. Very catchy sort of stuff. I just found him a little bit, a little bit in your face. Just a little bit in in your face. A little bit big headed. A little bit. Uh, it's hotter than Ibiza. Woo, lovely. Brighton Beach yesterday. People were sunbathing. 
can't have been that hot. They're all fully clothed here. I thought the whole idea was you sit on the beach and you sort of take your tops off. But all these people here have got clothes on. People relaxing on Brighton Beach. We like a bit of seaside, don't we? And I promise you, tomorrow morning, people will be heading for the coast. They'll be going, oh, right, let's actually go go to the coast today because it's going to be nice weather. Because it doesn't really matter. If you go to the seaside, it doesn't have to be great weather. You could just go for the fun of walking on the pier. And it's free to go on the pier in Brighton. You can go on the pier and walk all the way through, walk through all the arcades if you want to spend money and the kids will want to spend money. You know that uh, Daniel Craig is the average British guy. They look like that. I am now very, very depressed. How can Craig David... Sorry, not Craig David. Daniel Craig be the average British guy? Nobody I know looks like him. But uh, Phelan's guilty. Phelan in Coronation Street. He's just been arrested, incidentally, uh, for the murder of Ken Barlow. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I should have done a spoiler alert. I'm really sorry, honestly. I always forget, because I don't watch these things, so of course it doesn't make any difference to me at all. But I know some people sit there with a packet of boiled sweets... Try to work out who's actually trying to kill uh, Ken Barlow. Most people, I should imagine. Most people. He's been there since God created the Garden of Gethsemane. So it's nice to have him there. But I'm sorry about the spoiler alert, but he has just been arrested by the, uh, the police. And he will be charged. Oh, sorry again. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I do this all the time, don't I? I'm terrible. I, I, get, I get so carried away with it. And I, I don't, because I don't watch these things, I don't feel any, any sense of duty. To anybody who watches soaps, it makes no difference to me. I realise that people, so I don't, for God's sake, don't even ask me about the uh, the Titanic or Glenn Miller's luggage, which has just turned up, you know, just in case you hadn't heard about the story. Uh, apparently, Zane's ex is Perry Edwards. Thank you very much indeed. Cuthbert of Sheldon. Oh, please, nobody's called Cuthbert anymore. I mean, seriously, nobody is called Cuthbert. <laughs> and... Um, Celebrity equals a famous person. Famous equals known about by many people. Therefore, please do not put Scarlet or the Vicar down because they are celebrities, says Cuthbert. No, they're not. No, they're not. Very, very good prank, Cuthbert. OK, but as I say, the giveaway was the ridiculous name of Cuthbert. I'm so sorry, dear. I'm so sorry. We, we, we've seen that, that name crop up before and uh, we're hanging on to it. Uh, only for the, for the benefits of the, uh, of the phone number, because we know who you are. Don't fool us. Um, somebody said, Patrick, who said that was not the dulcet tones of Joanne Webb. Um, well, she might have been away and had something done to her. I don't know. I never take I never take much notice of these sort of things that go on. I just they, they give me a name. I read the name out. You know, I believe she's uh, she's off doing things mit family or something like that. Anyway, it gives her a long weekend, which is a nice thing to have. And so because I don't have any interviews today, loads next week. Loads. I don't think I get a spare day next week, but uh, nothing today, which means that I've got Friday. Woo-wee! And it's the end of the month and my flower pouches have arrived. Very excited. I'm as excited as Paul Smith as well. So we split them. We've got three each. Uh, so I'm determined that mine are going to be really good. Really good. I, I want them to be really good this year. He said he's going to take a picture after they've sort of grown, which is fantastic. Uh, the voice is still going, I believe. Um, and it's got um, uh, Will I Am on there. Uh, Will I Am is very strange. Team Will has got Michelle John on it. I don't even know who these people are actually half the time. But he's got no time for a partner, says Will I Am. Comes back to my original question about William. <laughs> you know, I'm always curious. No time for a partner. Really? How funny. That's very odd, isn't it? Why would he not have time for a partner? You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to six. Welcome to Friday. Uh, if you're a person who works the weekend, well, it's probably the start of your working week. But for everybody else, it's a case of put your feet up, enjoy yourself and enjoy the uh, the nice weather. I think it's going to be OK. I don't think it's going to be as brilliant as people are, are saying. Uh, Winnie says, I had a visit to the Royal Academy yesterday to see the America After the Fall exhibition, mainly to see the famous American Gothic painting by Grant Wood. I wasn't disappointed. There's some great American works of art from the 30s. Check it out. Yes, I mean, I, I love the Royal Academy. I'm always, I'm always saying to people, I mean, that, that American Gothic is a, is a piece, I think, that was painted in, uh, I think, about 1930. And what it, it's, you'll know it because it's the farmer standing beside the woman that has been interpreted either to be his wife or his daughter. Uh, the figures, I think, were modelled by Wood's sister. That's Nan Wood Graham and Wood and Graham's dentist, Dr Byron McKeeby. The woman has got this colonial uh, print apron on, which is sort of very much 19th century Americana. And the man's holding a, a pitchfork. The plants on the porch, they've, got, they've, they've worked it all out. This is mother-in-law's tongue, the beefsteak begonia, which are the same plants as in Wood's 29 portrait of his mother, woman with plants. Very famous image, very famous image by Grant Wood. And it's in the collection of the Art Institute of Chicago. But it's here. You can go and see it at the moment. And it's uh, part of the... Uh, Royal Academy of Arts, 2016-17. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I I know the picture so well. I've never even... I don't, who owns it, then? Is it actually owned... Is it... Uh, it's not been bought... Private, oh, the Art Institute, I think. But it's very interesting looking at it. I'm sort of looking at... At, um, at all of the images and all the... Uh, all the sort of receptions that this thing got. Oh, that was... That's what Grant Wood looked like in 1932. A very modern face, wasn't it? Very good artist, very good artist. But I like stuff. That's why I always say to people, go to, go to the National Gallery here in Trafalgar Square. It's free. It's free. Go to it. But don't, you can't do the whole lot in one day. It is not possible at all. It really is. It's not possible. You just have to pick one particular area. Uh, Steve, you previously mentioned using pet names. Personally, I find, hello, sweet pea darling, infinitely better than all you get or Cuthbert. Yes, I know. I do hope you book a cardiology appointment today. Um, yes, I might do, actually. Christine says, here in Bristol, we're inundated with visitors. Ever since the Sunday Times named us as the best place to live in the UK. How about that, London? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, it's, listen, they say if you're tired of London, you're tired of life. Lee says, is Cuthbert a real name? No. The only Cuthbert I've ever heard of was Cuthbert Cringeworthy. Yes, I think Cringeworthy definitely describes this one. The teacher's pet in the Bash Street, kids. We weren't allowed to read comics. My mother thought it was common. <laughs> Sam says, why would anybody in their right mind have pictures taken in the first place, Steve? This is uh, nude pictures of yourself. I don't know why either. <laughs> I really don't know. I'm sure. I mean, perhaps if you think it sort of draws you closer to somebody. But you do look at people, don't you think? No, you wouldn't definitely do it. And of course, they're, they're going to turn out to be the ones who would do it. This is uh, revenge porn. Jan Moyer saying in the paper today, uh, really, um, if you don't want these pictures to hit the internet and be part of revenge porn, don't take them in the first place. You know, that would be the simple answer, wouldn't it? But some people do, don't they? A moment of passion, a moment of madness, a moment of, you know, whatever. And people take pictures. There is a picture in the paper today of somebody called Lydia Ferguson. Uh, Lydia Ferguson is a mum of three and she's taken pictures of herself, which, um, well, basically she's a teacher and she's been reprimanded. And she's wearing a short white play suit. She's been suspended while an investigation takes place, was back on social media defending herself. Uh, pupils at the school in Newport Pagnell also backed the teacher, saying she looked lovely. She's part of um, uh, a pastoral care team, 
which sees her work with pupils experiencing trouble at school, including bullying. Um, I suppose the next thing is she'll be given a reality show and we'll all go, oh, God, here we go again. Ridiculous. Another says there's nothing wrong with the photo. We think Miss looks lovely. Yes, you're not supposed to say that, though, are you, about teachers? That's, that's when it sort of veers into the other side a little bit. So I can understand why, why the school has done it. And um, uh, somebody says, if we have any concerns about a staff, staff member, this would not be discussed with students. Of course it wouldn't be. It's got nothing to do with the students. You do what you're told. We are aware of rumours, but conclusions are being drawn which have no factual basis. So there you go. I've looked at the pictures. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think they're very appropriate for a teacher either. But there again, I come from a time when teachers were covered up head to toe. You know, it was twin pearls and um, and sensible flat shoes, I think. Uh, Prince Charles, out again. Yes, he, he gets a present in Romania by a man who looks like Father Christmas. In fact, actually, he looks more like Father Christmas than Father Christmas looks like, which is lovely. And he's going to Vienna. Next week. He'll like that, actually. He'll like Vienna. I don't know if he's been... He must have been before, mustn't he? A friend of mine went to see him. Uh, sorry? Means nothing to him, does it? Oh, Vienna. Uh, we like to be topical on this programme. Uh, yeah, I, I can't like that to be topical. I'm looking at the picture of this, of this chariot from 500 BC. I mean, this is just amazing. They've got the rear leg bones, the pelvis, the rib cage, and the pelvis and the skulls of the two horses. Uh, the round shape... Is the is the wheel? Uh, the building work was stopped. I don't know what they're going to do with it. I really don't. They found all sorts of um, skeletons on this burial site, and I think what they'll have to do is remove the relics and uh, and sort of look after them very carefully. It's quite something, isn't it? The round chariot wheel can clearly be made out in the ground. Experts believe its close proximity to the horse skeletons indicated the animals plays a, played a key role in the burial ceremony. Yes, they don't look very big, though, do they? But they obviously had, you know, this... Uh, it's on a Yorkshire housing estate. And we found it. I mean, I'm always grateful to people who do archaeology. That's what makes it, you know, so fascinating. Uh, this is, uh, they reckon, Iron Age. Uh, the owner would have lived in a violent time with rival clans constantly clashing. I mean, you think you have it bad now with the Jeremy Kyle show. Yesterday was a terrible version, and it was a sister accusing her brother of stealing money. And so, Jer so they did the usual thing. So she, he seemed a perfectly nice boy. Quite clearly, she was not a very nice person. I was shouting at the television. I've started shouting at it far more than ever, ever, ever before. And and um, and so she was saying. And so Jeremy Carr said, "Do you believe he actually took it? Hundred percent, hundred percent took it." And so they do the lie detector test, and he goes, uh, "We asked you, did you take the money?" From your sister, blah, blah, blah. And he said, no. Why'd you say no? Because I was telling the truth. He was telling the truth. And she was so ungrateful. What a horrible piece of work she was. Really, really horrible. Always horrible, horrible, horrible. And then in the end, he said, why don't you just go and apologise to him? No, why should I? Well, if he didn't take it, who did? That was her argument. She was so dumb. She was so dumb. She was so convinced that it was him that she made herself look like so stupid. Horrible. The vicar from Gogglebox wears stupid socks. I've seen her on before. She's so boring. I mean, she really is dull. But uh, they're obviously desperate to be something, aren't they? They're all sort of desperately... Because once they've been ingratiated into the celebrity world, which is a little bit vacuous, unless you've actually got any talent. She has no talent at all, apart from presumably doing her, her vicary kind of things. But uh, even years ago, that'd have been... A, a, a woman vicar? Are you sure? What, in the church? Where? Down the road? No. 
heavens above. And so now she's uh, she's going to be on on a, on a cooking program with John Tarode, who we love to pieces, as you know, and um, and the other bloke that we're not as keen on. It doesn't really matter. And so, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, shouldn't she just say no? I don't want to do that. I mean, they're all so desperate to be to be somebodies, aren't they? Naughty Steve says, little Julie, book that appointment. Otherwise, I'll have to take you to Zumba. I don't think I'd last five minutes at Zumba. I really. Uh, somebody else says, uh, Mark, why does HSBC no, need so many titles? Because they've got a bloke who does HSBC Pride. Perhaps he's got his own office or something where he sort of deals with gay, transgender, bisexual, lesbian, uh, ideal people. What's the other one? Intersex as well. Inter- have you ever heard of that one? I hadn't heard of that to the other week. I thought they said, oh, somebody intersex. I said, well, well surely we're all intersex. I mean, I'm not, obviously. A cup of tea and a, and a small... Small biscuit, I think, would keep me fairly happy for most of the night time. Anything else is just far too boring and dull. And, um, and t- why have they got somebody at HSBC? They feel duty-bound to put somebody into that role. What does it matter? What does it matter? Very shortly, we can, have get- we can have straight people complaining. Excuse me, why are the gays getting all the coverage? Can we have some coverage for straight people, please? Obviously not. So, Mark, I don't know. I mean, it, it says if somebody doesn't identify with the usual options, leave it blank. I know. I couldn't. Oh, to be honest with you, I couldn't care less. Robbie says it was Stock Aitken Waterman put the Spice Girls together. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I don't think it was at all. I'm pretty certain, actually. Uh, I'll find out. I have to check these things, actually, because I can never remember. I don't think it was. I'd have, I'd have remembered that. I'd have remembered. I, I can't remember. In fact, it's such a long time ago now. It's so many years ago. I can't remember exactly when, when the whole thing came to... I just know that they lived in a house... And they rehearsed their little songs and then they were thrown into an unsuspecting world. And they came up, the men, with all this girl power and all this kind of stuff. And they found a feisty singer to front it and then three other people. And they all had their roles, didn't they? One was scary. One was baby, because she works here in the building and I see her. Still looks the same. She doesn't look any different at all. And uh, then there was sporty, because she always did the kicks and wore the tracksuits. Everybody went, oh, she must be gay. And then there was Victoria Beckham. And they called her posh. And the only reason she was posh is because apparently she went to school in a second-hand Rolls-Royce driven by her dad. And that, that was why they called her posh. But she's not posh at all. I think she came from Hertfordshire. It wasn't Stock Aitken Waterman. No, it was Bob and Chris Herbert. I thought it was. I remember I thought it was the Herberts. They actually put them together. So definitely, Robbie, you must check your facts. In fact, I don't think Stock Aitken Waterman came into it at all. They, they were too busy doing their uh, their um, PWL stuff or whatever it was. And, and, they were, and then they got in, introduced to to Simon Fuller, and Simon Fuller is the mastermind. Simon Fuller is God, and I think he still looks after Victoria Kim. I think, you know, that shows how, how good he is. I think his uh, management company, uh, <coughs> excuse me, look after uh, Victoria Beckham, and I think the whole Beckhams, I think Harper's got her own agent and makeup artist and hair and everything else like that. Cruz and Romeo don't really kind of feature in it. Brooklyn's just mad, magnificent making a cup of coffee, and he's going to be going to university in America. That's nice, isn't it? And uh, David doesn't know whether he's in Hong Kong or Shanghai. He's got no idea. Uh, dreamed of penning a best-selling crime novel. Do you know, everybody dreams of this, don't they? Everybody except me. I'm the only person who does not dream about writing a book about anything at all. But uh, they've got uh, some experts' advice. If you want to be a a writer, there's a certain key to doing it. And you could land, they say, a £20,000 book deal. You could be the next Agatha Christie. You could be the next Agatha Christie. Will you be? You'll have to buy the Daily Mail today and find out. Uh, Still to come, 
The uh, the bank blasted in the new note row. People complaining about the fiver because it had gelatin in it or something. They're even getting even more worried about the £20 note. That's got stuff in it you don't even want to know about. And the bank are going, oh, basically, do one. you know. But we'll, we'll, we'll investigate it, all this kind of stuff. Tell you in a moment. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten to six. Guess who celebrates 20 years today? <laughs> Teletubbies, 20 years old today. Who'd have thought it? Who would have thought it? I thought the music was the catchiest ever. The programme thought it was rubbish. I seriously, Tinky Winky, La La, Poe, came with another story. And then there was another one. There was one who had a handbag, but not always a handbag, because in the opening credits, I don't think Tinky Winky had a handbag. And people were saying, slightly odd, isn't it? But kids loved it, until we realised that these things must have been enormous. There were people in them. Oh, I did. I did watch it. But I didn't, I didn't quite understand it. But then I just assumed that kids liked things like that because they associated with sort of these sort of creatures who lived in this grass mound with a vacuum cleaner that ate everything. And this apparently appeals to people. <laughs> but I, I just, I'd like to have gone down and seen them, you know, and seen what they looked like before they... Cl- because I think all the people who were in them were people who were uh, into mime and stuff like that. They don't just take anybody and stick them inside a... So if there's any young people listening, just pretend this is a fake bit of the programme. Makes it easier that way. And uh, and they went, eh-oh. That's all they did, in it? Eh-oh. So people were going around going, eh-oh. And it was, it was very interesting. I mean, I absolutely... I thought it was very clever. Tinky Winky was Dave Thompson. Simon Shelton in the original series. And by Jeremiah Crage. Uh, he's the first Teletubby, as well as the largest. He always, almost always carries a red bag. Dipsy was John Simmett in the original and by Nick Kellington in the revival, the second Teletubby, uh, named after his antenna because he's green, which resembles a dipstick. Try and explain that to people. Uh, Lala, played by Nicky Smedley in the original and Rebecca Highland in the revival series, is the third Teletubby. Yellow, likes to sing and dance. Favourite toy is an orange rubber ball. I hadn't mentioned, actually. Uh, incidentally, Dipsy... His face is noticeably darker than the rest of the Teletubbies. The creators have stated he's black. Well, there you go. And Poe, played by Pui Fan Lee in the original series and by Rachel Beinart in the revival series, is the fourth Teletubby, as well as the shortest. And uh, she's been stated by the show's creators to be Cantonese. That's quite sweet. You wouldn't know. Seriously, you wouldn't know. And the new new, operated by Mark Dean, is the conscientious vacuum cleaner. How do I know this stuff? I have no idea. I need to get some help. Quite clearly, I'm not... <laughs> I've lost my... But the voice trumpets, voiced by Jim Broadbent and Fern Cotton and Antonia Thomas. The sun baby was Jess Smith. Uh, numerous rabbits. Uh, they, they are actually proper rabbits. And the tubby phone was voiced by Jane Horrocks. Lovely Jane Horrocks. In a character in the revival series who transports the Teletubbies to the modern world. And then there were Tiddly Tubbies. I don't want to go there because they were sort of they sort of baby Teletubbies. Mimi, Da Da, Ba, Ping, Ruru, Nin, Dougie, D, and Umbi Pumbi. I really need to get a life and stop drinking. I promise you, this is doing me no good whatsoever. Take it off, take it off. I can't bear to see anything more about the Teletubbies. Is it still on television? I don't know. Might still be shown on television somewhere. There's probably uh, videos. Uh, oh, they're still still going. 
Still go revival series at the at the present. Oh, fantastic! Enjoy, 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 enjoy. There was another story I had to mention to you because I only just discovered it, and it's very important because she appeared on the television a short while ago. This is um, the uh, Charles Bronson's soap actress fiance. Do you remember her? This is the one who struck up a bizarre friendship uh, with him. Uh, the Sun revealed that uh, Paula Wim- uh, Williamson and Bronson had got engaged. Uh, she insisted it was not a stunt. I think everybody saw it as a stunt. It now turns out she struck up a bizarre friendship with Ian Brady as well, the Moore's murderer. And uh, she was also obsessed with him. Uh, she appeared in Emmerdale briefly, like, gone. And Corrie, gone. Uh, she got a watch. A friend said she's adamant she has a true love with Bronson, but the fact she targeted Brady before has led to some wondering what her motivation is. Publicity, I would think. Publicity. I saw her on the television, and uh, she was literally pulled apart. I think, was it Piers Morgan? He, he does these things every so often. But I, I've got something even more interesting. A short while ago, people were getting very excited about the £5 note. Well, I say they were getting excited for all the wrong reasons, because it had animal fat, and so it outraged vegans and religious groups. I don't know why people would have to know these things. Anyway, they didn't care. They've carried on printing it. OK, they're not particularly bothered by this. Anyway, they're going to annoy environmentalists by revealing the new £20 note could be made with palm oil, the production of which leads to deforestation. The bank suspended the legal process of the £20 note after protests over tallow in the plastic fibres, but yesterday criticised by Friends of the Earth after revealing the only practical alternative is palm oil. The bank says it would reflect before making a final decision by the summer. <laughs> people people funny nowadays. I'm sorry, it's got animal fat in it. Well, who cares? Who cares? Get over yourselves, for goodness sake. However, I've got a job for you. In fact, I've got quite a number of jobs for you. If you're looking for a job at the moment, the best place that you can head for is Buckingham Palace. Because you remember we were looking the other day for a full-time curtain maker. The Buckingham Palace, Inc., doesn't pay very much money. Doesn't pay very much money at all. In fact, they're possibly one of the worst payers in the entire country. They were offering for an experienced curtain maker to do upholstery and everything else, 22000 a year. It's taking the Michael. However, how would you like to have the job of bath runner? They actually employ somebody to run baths. Uh, there are 78 baths. How are you supposed to run around all of them? I've got no idea. Uh, this salary, uh, the living role of the household assistant, was offered at 14400 a year. <coughs> Excuse me, there's also, not just that, dusting. You have to arrange breakfast trays, assist with dressing, if required. There will be contact while well, well, dressing. Somebody told me that Prince Charles can't even put his own pants on. You have somebody who helps him put his pants on. I mean, can that be right? I don't know. Uh, there's also, they, they do want somebody to raise the flag. They have a flag raiser. That, that is the job title. Also a fender cleaner. Fender cleaner? You go for that one? Uh, this is, it's one of the few remaining stately homes to employ a fender smith. Uh, we don't, we don't have a, we don't have a, a fee for that one. We're not too sure. There's a personal piper. Uh, the one here since 1965, the, the job has gone to a serving soldier currently held by pipe major Scott Methven of the Argyll and Sutherland Highlanders. He's reportedly paid. Listen, somebody who makes all the curtains and all the cushions gets 22 grand. He reportedly for piping gets paid 48 grand a year they've obviously lost all sense of reality they're looking for an expert gardener that's about um 17,000 a year 17,000 just so uh, they've got plants uh the clock winder here uh they were offering 31,000 a year 
Somebody's got to learn all about horology and stuff like that. Uh, I can also offer you a Warden of the Swans. Uh, I'm not too sure how much this actually... This means you have to go round and tag them so they know they're the Queen's um, swans. Uh, pot washer. This is uh, 17000 a year. I think you live in. So, I mean, when I say live in, it's not exactly the most luxurious, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Palace footman, that's quite nice. And this one here, an exciting role in a unique environment. The position paid a distinctly unprincely 15,781 quid a year. So they're not the best payers, are they? They have an official tweeter, forty-five to 50,000 a year. So in other words, no member of the royal family knows how to tweet. What does it mean, tweet? Steve Allen talks about it on the radio. I don't know what he was talking about. Get the, get the royal tweeter to tweet something. Pidge Charles loves everything that Steve Allen does. You know, that'd be quite good, wouldn't it? Uh, an art helper, uh, a wine keeper. I could go for that one. Uh, so, uh, uh, do, do we have any wine? Uh, I think he's drunk it, Lord. He's a, he's a little bit sozzled down there in the old wine cellars. He's found some very nice little vintages. Or a linen guardian. You have to guard the linen. 16 grand a year. They're paying. Very expensive. I mean, you th you'd think they could use the local laundrette, wouldn't you? I mean, they offer a very good service, and, and that'd be quite a nice thing to have. Uh, apparently on Instagram, says Di, a picture shows that palm oil destroys the environment where the last orangutans live. Well, move them. Well, move them. They have to move. They've got to move with the times. You can't just have orangutan. There's loads of orangutans. Anyway, I've seen a, a sanctuary for orangutans. I've seen Monkey World. They've got loads. They're not worried about the palm oil. Move them. Get their little bags packed and move them. Goodness sake, that was the matter with you. Right, short break for the news at six o'clock this morning. How much space do you need between you and another person? Three feet, I'm told. Care homes hitting the middle classes. My God, it's a licence to print money, isn't it, really? Uh, Jan Moyer says the best way to stop revenge porn is to stop posing in the nude in the first place. George Michael's resting place covered with screens. And if you want to go and see it, you can't. It's not on the tour. And he's in a part of the cemetery you have to pay to go around anyway. 12 quid. Oh, I found um, the ideal place you can go to. You can go round Prince's Purple Factory. Uh, his ashes are there in an urn. $38.50. $38.50 to go round Prince's Purple Factory. And the smaller chocolate bar plan is about profit. It's got nothing to do with obesity. They'll make as much profit, believe you me. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Hope you're well. Looking forward to the weekend? Don't shout at the same time, please. I'm slightly deaf in one ear this morning. Uh, Joan says the best thing about the goggle box vicar was the dog who always is on the sofa. But you ever saw it? Only ever saw its back legs. How come a vicar's allowed another job? Who looks after her flock when she'll be filming? Well, she's obviously not that interested in that. But I bet the argument will be she's hoping to convert a lot of people. You know, that's that's what I think it is. But to be honest with you, all these people have got egos. That's why she's on the television. She wants to be on the television. Well, nothing at all to do, really, with her being a vicar. It's got to do with being on the television. And uh, Pat says, you're very naughty. I now have this mental image of Prince Charles being helped on with his underpants by a bewigged footman. Well, exactly, I've had that image for some years. I was told that when he goes to the, the bathroom, if he's going for a bath, there's a footman who follows him and picks up his clothes after him. I know, I, well, I mean, you know, they're different family. Different family. I mean, heavens above. I mean, you know, I've never had anybody do that. Nobody's ever followed me and picked up clothes. Ridiculous. Uh, could Rodders and Delboy make a comeback? The answer is they might. They might. It would be a slightly, slightly different programme, I suspect. Uh, the HSBC Bank, as we said earlier on, they've now got, uh, are you MX, miscellaneous, in or mr or everything else? 
Uh, the bank says that the new titles will allow people who don't identify with a particular gender or don't want to be identified by gender to choose from the title list. Oh, God, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Seriously, why don't they just put down, you know, if your name's Sandra, put down Sandra. If your name's Brian, put down Brian. You know, why do you have to have a title in the first place? I've got no idea. They say here, Noel Quinn, head of the bank's global commercial banking, said, now more than ever, it's vital we show our solidarity with LGBT colleagues and customers around the world. What do you think that's different then? Do you think you have to treat people differently? I mean, I've just never heard anything like it. All you want is somebody to be polite. You couldn't care less what they address you as. You know, good morning, sir. Good morning, madam. That's about it. You know, if you're trans, then, you know, where, where do you think you are? You know, if you're midway through it, well, yeah, but, it's, but it's just it's just getting ridiculous. Honestly, heavens above. I bet they're, they're going to be talking about that today on this morning. That sounds like the kind of thing that they would like. They like that kind of thing. Uh, if they can't find any sort of third-rate celebrities to put on there, they'll, they'll sort of come up with something like that, all these different titles. They'll never get Philip to try and understand it. And, of course, they'll have to try and do it without laughing, because otherwise somebody will write in and went, I'm whatever... And I was offended by that. Because everybody's going to be offended, aren't they? Everybody's going to be offended. Uh, smaller chocolate bar plan, it's about profits, not obesity, they say in the papers. I absolutely agree. I don't think the price... Do you think the price will come down? I never forgave fish and chip shops years ago when there was a potato shortage and the prices went up for potatoes. When all of a sudden we had a glut of potatoes, they didn't bring the prices back down again. They stayed where they were. I always wanted to own a, a fish and chip shop. I always thought it would be quite good. I think I'd be so tempted... To be eating the eating the profits most of the time. Can you imagine? Oh, that that chip looks particularly nice. I'll have to go for it. Uh, Victoria Beckham in her never-ending quest to try and stay out of the papers makes them again today. Uh, the reason being, she's done this carpool karaoke. Who cares? Who cares? They do. Everybody's done it. It's just that she's so far down the list. They've obviously just decided now. Oh, should we get Victoria Beckham on? Do you think she'll do it? She'll do anything for publicity. I'm surprised she's not wheeled on the entire family. Uh, because they, they do seem to do separate things, don't they? He goes off modelling whiskey and underpants. And, and she goes off being international jet setter, flogging clothes. She's now doing, which is I thought was very interesting. Um, she's, uh, she's doing clothes for oversized people, outsized people. Because she suddenly realised, she suddenly realised that, um, that in fact not everybody is pencil thin. It's only people who don't eat or who do drugs who are pencil thin nowadays. So she's aiming uh, her market, although, frankly, I've seen some of her clothes. I don't think, don't think large people want to wear this stuff. Large people know how to dress themselves. There are outside shops, but she's decided to capitalise on the market. If anybody had a market stall now doing clothes for larger women, they would clean up completely because there are more larger people out there now, ladies, who go and look at the items on a market stall and go, I can't even fit into that can't even fit into it so you know larger sizes would be the way forward so she's obviously she's obviously been listening to this program and decided to to jump on the steve allen bandwagon uh, my children steve thought the periscope which emerged at bedtime was slightly sinister in teletubbies um i don't i just love the music because it, it was actually it was sort of a, it was a really catchy bit of music that kids can jump up and you know kids dance you know they all like prince william don't they when they dance <laughs> waving their arms in the air uh, because, I mean, that was about the most embarrassing thing we've ever seen. I think people should shout out when they see him next time around, go on, dance, show us dancing, show us dancing. I remember years ago, there was a, there was a, a thing in London you could buy, apart from, you know, when you were <coughs> going through the streets of London, there used to be people selling you things. Apart from the perfume, um, which was on sale, which was supposedly, supposedly very good value. The reason it was good value is because they thought that for what you paid for it, even though it was nothing like um, 
like the actual perfumes, uh, they used to bang out five or six boxes of it for about 20 quid or 10 quid or whatever it was. And a lot of the people buying it were people in on the scam. You could watch them sitting outside Selfridges or any one of a number of London stores. And they would uh, sit there. They set up their little, it was generally a couple of um, boxes, milk crates, I think, mainly. And they, um, and they would sort of put their board on the top and then start banging out this perfume to people who worked the scam with them. So people would be buying it in the hope of other people buying it, thinking it's obviously good value. They'd go round the corner and they'd offload it again. It'd be back on the stall again very quickly. But there was one thing that was sold on the streets of London. Two things, actually, which you probably saw. One was the wiggly worm. Do you remember the wiggly worm? And a bloke could stand there and this worm would go between his fingers. It was always fluorescent orange or red or green or yellow or something like that. And it would go through his fingers. He'd drop it in a glass and it would come out the glass. And he was very clever with it. Very, very clever. And, uh, and you can buy them now. They cost you a couple of quid. They're very cheap. Wiggly worms. And he was doing this thing and I'd sit there and watch for ages thinking, wow, I want that. And he'd have it going round his arm and then into the glass again. And it was, it was terribly clever. And then you discover how it was actually done. And you come with, oh. But he, he did it because he'd, he'd really, really worked on it very, very cleverly. Very, very cleverly. And, uh, and the other one was a very interesting one, which was a man who had a skeleton. A skeleton, which was just a little cardboard skeleton. And he, he had a chair and he put it down and this skeleton danced. And you'd sit there and you'd look at it and its jointed arms were sort of moving. And as a child, I remember thinking, I want one of these skeletons. I want one of these skeletons. He was selling them for whatever they were. I can't even tell you what they cost. I cannot remember that bit. I just remember the chair and the fact that he put the skeleton down in in between the chair and it danced to the music. And I remember thinking, I've got to get one. And when I got it and I'll tell you how it how it works. Because it was it was such a good thing, but but you could sit there for ages trying to work out what it was. And what he had uh, on his chair was he had a little thin piece of thread, which looked like it had come off a cotton reel. And the skeleton, the arms went over the thread, so it was suspended there. The music, as it he had the actual ghetto blaster on the chair, as it vibrated, it made the skeleton look as if it was dancing. It was so simple, and yet I bought it. I bought it, and I got it home. Oh, but it, but the wiggly worms you can still buy. I don't think you can buy the skeleton anymore, but you can certainly buy the. It's the sort of thing that Hawkins would sell. Hawkins sell all these bizarre things from years ago that you've never, never even heard of, and you go, oh, they still make that. It's like marbles. Years ago, we were quite excited by marbles. Nowadays, I couldn't get excited by marbles if you gave me loads of them. I was more excited by conkers. Steve, <coughs> during the news, uh, Simon Conway says Martin mentioned the British number one tennis player, uh, Jana Conter. I don't know why. It always reminds me of Zola Bud. I don't know anything about tennis players. Seriously, I mean, if, if somebody had said to me, uh, Joanna Conter is the British number one, I'd, I wouldn't know what on earth they were talking about. Who is she? Is she very, very... Fa- yes. You think she looks like Zola Bud? Oh, no, I don't think so. Zola Bud, she must still be around, mustn't she? But I couldn't even tell you who the British number one was. That's a bit disappointing, isn't it? I should know things like that, but I'm not... Andrew Castle would know that. But I, I wouldn't have the faintest idea. Uh, I, do I know who the men's number one? Yes, he's that Scottish man. I know him. <laughs> Andy Murray. Sir Andy Murray. Okay. But, I mean, but I only know that because he's been in the papers loads of times. I wouldn't have known who she was. I feel a bit embarrassed. As I say, Andrew Castle would know this. And he'll be with you tomorrow. Uh, I mean, she's current British number one. Her doubles 
ranking. I think she was about 88 back in 2016, something like that. But I wouldn't know. If she walked in here now, I wouldn't. And they said, oh, would you like to talk? I wouldn't know who she was. I seriously wouldn't. But she's earned a bit of money out of it. There's a lot of money in this town. I mean, she's, she was born in Sydney, Australia, and she's the British number one. How does that work? Is that, can you do that now? Very odd, isn't it? That's why she looks fit. Because all, all Australians are fit. Well, except the ones that we get. But, I mean, mainly the ones who are in sport. And yet, when I was younger, we didn't do it. If only my parents had encouraged me to do more sport. Things. She only got good in the last year. Up until then, she was rubbish. Rubbish. Then she got better. Perhaps she bumped into Andrew Castle and he was sort of coaching her. But, I mean, I wish I'd been more encouraged into, into sort of playing football. But, to be honest with you, I really couldn't be bothered. I Seriously, even now, if somebody said... I mean, there's people in this building, I promise you. I'm working... Because they're all young. When I say young, I mean, anybody under the age of 30 is young, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, and you see people going out jogging. People going out running. People going to the gym. If there was a gym in this building, I'd probably use it. But there isn't, thank God. So I don't have to. But everybody's very fit. Everybody's very, very fit. It's, uh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? After this, this news, we'll look ahead to what's coming up this weekend for In Conversation. I'm going to be joined by two very special guests from the world of stage and screen. So stand by your desks for that one. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 20 minutes past six. Can I use your programme to warn listeners of a cyber scam? I don't, I don't really do cyber scams. I, I know this one, again, it's like I've seen a news item claiming that a certain celebrity is dead. When I clicked on it, a sign flashed up. My computer's been compromised and I've got five minutes to call a company to fix it. Um, that would be my argument about don't just click on things. You know, always know where it comes from. If you don't, if it's like if you get sort of something that comes up on the phone, it's a number that I don't recognise, I don't answer it. It's as simple as that. There's no point. Although I have been taken to task by somebody this morning already. Somebody called Chris, who talks about uh, tennis. He does tennis blogging, which is about as dull as it gets, I suppose, really. And anyway, he says, you need to learn more about tennis. Listen, uh, my brain is so befuddled with everything. Listen, I've only just done Teletubbies. Can't do Teletubbies and tennis. He says, she isn't just British number one. She's world top ten. Oh, God, I'm so bored. So, I mean, she's currently actually number 11, so I don't want to sort of, you know... Not to burst your bubble this morning, Chris, but, you know, I think I'm perhaps a little bit more up on the thing than you are. No, I mean, it just doesn't interest me. It's like saying, you know, could you be interested in over 35 nudist leapfrog? And the answer is probably not, but I am a bit of an expert on that one. You know, do I know about football? Of course I do. I have to know about a little bit of everything. You know, what I don't know, I make up. And nobody's ever challenged me. I mean, I'm generally right on 99.9% of things. If occasionally I get found out on the odd 1%, I never admit to it. I'm never going to say, sorry, I can't even say it now. I tried it the other day. It didn't work. Somebody said to me, you know, and I will be here for scores tomorrow. There you go. Let's double the audience immediately. (laughs) Yes, for April Fool's Day. Uh, My first guest this week for In Conversation, which is tomorrow morning between six and seven, just before Andrew Castle is here, doing his April Fool's Day show. Uh, I have the best of Steve Allen for the week where the producer has lovingly crafted a programme to appeal to just about everybody. And then after that, we have the In Conversation. Two celebrity guests, unless they're so brilliant that, uh, that we go an hour with them. But nine out of ten times, it's two, two guests. And uh, uh, it's always very interesting, because we talk about just about everything, as you probably discovered in previous weeks. My first guest is an actor, a novelist and a playwright. A certain generation will remember him as Neil 
the downtrodden hippie in the cult 1980s student sitcom The Young Ones. It was a role which spawned two hit singles and made him a very unlikely pop star. His television and film roles over the years are too numerous to mention, but he's now a regular on stage in London's West End as well as around the rest of the country. It's Nigel Planer. He told me he's got a novel way of improving his memory skills. It's very easy to forget stuff, isn't it? Or even be looking at something, saying, where's my hat? And it's right in front of you, and yet somehow you don't see it. I that happens glasses a lot. the other day. I couldn't yeah. find them. And I was wearing them. You're wearing them, yes. I was wearing them. We've all had that. <laughs> I mislay the phone on a regular but, so basis. So I try and keep the brain going by learning languages when I'm not having to learn lines. What are you learning? Spanish and Hindi. You're not. I am learning Spanish and Hindi, yes, because... Fantastic. Just to... I've been told... Uh, Duncan Wisby, the actor who's a great voice artist, told me he'd read somewhere, he's learning, I don't know, Arabic and French or something, that if you're trying to learn a language, the way to keep the brain alert is to learn two of them at once, which sounds like a scramble, doesn't it? But it kind of forces the brain to unscramble and really start organising Wow. I don't know if it works or not, but it's fun. How, how, how far are you into the language? Is... No, I'm pretty rudimentary. See, I always wanted to learn Cantonese. I thought just to impress the people in the local Chinese. Yeah. You go in there and they go, there is a man here who's speaking Cantonese. Difficult, though, isn't it? Because there's Very a lot difficult. about tone. Yes. You know, ha, ha, ha. You know, you've got different... Is that the same as tone. Hindi? No, Hindi doesn't have that tonal thing. Hindi's uh, more phonetic. So right. it's, it, it's easier in that sense, but... Where it's really difficult is they've got something like eight different ways of doing d and eight different ways of, of doing various consonants. Right. There's d, 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 d. You know, there's all these... Di- and I can't differentiate between no. half these sounds. Mind you, so if a Hindi musical comes into the West <laughs> End, I mean, you're going to be first choice um, with Spanish overtones. Yes, except I wouldn't be able to do the dancing the Hindi dancing. Oh, I bet you could. Oh, I bet you could. <laughs> the actor and novelist Nigel Planer, who'll be in conversation with me this weekend. My second guest is an international star. Started his acting career with the National Youth Theatre and several stage and screen roles followed. His career went stratospheric just before the turn of the century when he landed the role of Dickie Greenleaf in the critically acclaimed film The Talented Mr Ripley. It's the one and only Jude Law. And he told me about his new role in Obsession, which is on at London's Barbican. We preview from the 19th of April and we open mm. on about the 25th and then run for a month. And it's, it's a very interesting process because Evo has the whole design pre-done. We, we arrive with the lighting stakes already set. There's even a soundscape. The, um, the composer's in the room and occasionally dropping in little uh, um, um, pieces of music that he wants us to use or might use. Everyone's off the book from day one of rehearsal. So you're sort of in the play performing from the first day. And what that allows is is a huge amount of work mining the material and trying stuff out and also a sense of freedom that you kind of any, can do anything. So everything we've done up to now may change. <laughs> oh, it may man. stay the same. Um, it's very liberating. And uh, I'm working with this extraordinary group of Dutch actors who... Evo's worked with time and time again, and, and to a person, they are all quite brilliant, I have to say. And I'm, They're doing it in English? We're doing it in English, yeah. Right. Yeah. How, so why, is it a co-Dutch production? Yes, Evo has brought Tonnel Group Amsterdam, that's his, right, the name of his right. group, to the Barbican before. He's also worked independently, 
And I think the Barbican just wanted him to do something where he used English actors and his Dutch company. And this is this is the first of that kind. Wow. I mean, nice for you, because you seem equally at home on stage as you do up on the, the screen. I, stage is I just a bit both. immediate. Yeah, but I, lo- I really love both. And if I'm honest, because uh, the theatre is a place I started as an actor and mm. the place where I feel I um, discovered myself as an actor. It's somewhere I always like going back to. I enjoy the process. I love the re- freedom of rehearsals. And I love the proximity, the live relationship with an audience. And I love watching how a piece can evolve and morph, you know, as you as you play mm-hmm. it night after night. And I equally love film, but, but it's, it's nice to be back doing a play. Charming. Charming. Everybody says to me, the amount of people who said to me yesterday in the building, they said, what, what was Jude Law like? I said, charming. Charming. Really charming. Really on, on good form. And that man returning to the stage, Jude Law, in conversation with me this weekend, along with fellow actor Nigel Planer. And uh, that'll be from six after the best of Steve Allen. If you can't make it, then you get another chance on Sunday evening from nine. And you can download it from the LBC podcast app for your mobile or tablet. Just go to LBC dot co dot uk so uh, two good guests again next week i've got another raft of people uh, coming in for your further listening pleasure i think we're going to be doing lisa faulkner she's got a super book out which is uh, got respite she's totally tried to convince me during the interview for me to cook she realizes she's she's fighting a losing battle because if there's one thing i can't do it's cook that's why god invented supermarkets for people like me and ready meals i got she said you can do this I looked at a couple of recipes in her book and I said, oh, that looks quite nice. She said, you can do it. I said, no, I can't. I promise you, I can't do it. I just, and, and also, I don't want to. I was speaking to my friend Toby this morning. He has a, a major problem and he's even more useless than I am. Only his is, is something that's so, op- at the moment, his washing machine cannot drain. I know, bear, bear with me on this one. His washing machine is full of water. It won't drain. And I said, well, I know what that is, straight away. That'll be, look to the right-hand side of the machine, or it could be on the left-hand side or in the middle, and there'll be a little door... You pull that down, there'll be a thing that you unscrew in there, and it will be the filter for the washing machine, which will be full of fluff that has built up. I said, have you ever taken the fluff out of it? He said, no. I said, it'll be chock-a-block, grey sludge it'll come out as. I said, make sure you put a bowl underneath, there'll be water coming out at the same time. And um, I said, and once you've got rid of that, you then wash it. I used to hoover mine, get all the bits off it, and then put it back in, and then the machine will drain. He went, right. He said, that's what it said on the internet. I said, well, there you go. You know. I am the expert on things like this. So he, he, he said he might try it. And then he said he knew a man in the, uh, in the block where he lives who might better do it for him. I said, you can do it yourself. It's seriously easy. It's not difficult. That's, uh, so there you go. I'm obviously more DIY savvy than uh, I'm aware of. And Dan in Essex says, I can't believe it, but I missed James's musical hour the other. Hilarious yesterday. Seriously, harpsichord for beginners. I mean, it was really, really good. Uh, he says, I'll have to, uh, to do, do, the, do the podcast. It's well worth it. Very funny indeed. Very funny. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Coming up with uh, Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning after seven o'clock, new rules kick in this weekend, which means foreign patients will be charged up front for non-urgent NHS care. Is it fair? Well, everybody else pays for it, don't they? I mean, if, if we go abroad, do we have to pay for, for care? I think so. You don't just get it handed to you. The CEO of the Royal Bank of Scotland, Ross McEwen, will be live in the studio to take your calls. If you've got a Royal Bank of Scotland account, I'm sure he'll be welcoming calls from you. Uh, Nick will be speaking to the Defence Secretary, Sir Michael Fallon, ahead of a London meeting with his opposite number in Donald Trump's cabinet, Jim Mattis. That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 on LBC. Uh, incidentally... Um, for those people listening in Scotland, 
10 o'clock Saturday morning. Your clock goes for... It's two hours, I think, this time round. Two hours. And that's to comply with the new Scottish saving time, which is being introduced. So that's only for Scottish listeners, OK? Clocks go forward two hours, Saturday from 10 o'clock. OK, don't, don't do it before then. Just do it at, at 10 o'clock. That complies with the new Scottish saving time. Thank you very much indeed, Howard, for that one. If I answer a call, Steve... Uh, from a number that I don't recognise, I say, Metropolitan Police, DC Smith talking. I then go on to explain how this is a private police number. Who am I talking to? What's the company name? And how they've wasted police time. And uh, we could end up going to court, says Dave. A lovely idea. I just always, on the odd occasion I have done it, and I don't do it very often, I've pretended I'm sort of uh, waiting for a call back from a funeral home. Just to wait and see whether they... But, but it doesn't seem to bother them in the slightest because they're mainly their call centres from overseas, aren't they? Uh, the front pages of the papers we shall go through today. Let me just... I'll quickly run through some of the stories that we've looked at today. First of all, the George Michael resting place. You can't see it. Uh, the cemetery, Highgate, have said that if people leave flowers and tributes, they will be removed. So I'm just telling you now, just in case you're one of those George Michael fans who wants to go and... Uh, leave flowers and tributes at Highgate Cemetery, they will remove them. OK? Uh, you cannot see his grave. Uh, I know that the papers have got pictures of it. The reason you can't see it is because it's part of a tour which his grave is not included. It might be in the future, but specifically at the moment, they tell you that for this £12 tour, because Highgate Cemetery is very famous, uh, you will not be shown George Michael's grave. Because there might be fans who would pay £12 to go past the grave and put flowers or something like that. So that's why it's covered at the moment, in keeping with presumably what the cemetery want and what the family want. Simple as that. So and don't leave any flowers up there, please, please, please. Katie Price has been blasted in the papers again. First of all, she's upset Muslims in an Islamic uh, country, the Maldives, where she went topless on the beach, quite clearly ignorant of people's local laws. I mean, how stupid you become. This time, she's been blasted for sexing up her daughter. Now, I don't have a problem with that. If she wants to put her daughter in makeup and everything else, that's fine. Don't tweet pictures of it, though. Do not tweet pictures. You know, you're asking for trouble. Seriously. Uh, Ricky Gervais hitting back in the dead baby gag row. He does a, a gag. I don't know what the gag is. I've known, even if I knew it, I wouldn't repeat it to you. Uh, but a couple go to a show in Belfast and they're offended because they had a, a stillborn last, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> last year. So they walk out saying they thought it was wrong. Well, you know, Ricky Gervais must have been playing to a pretty big audience, I should imagine. You can't go through the entire audience and go, by the way, we're doing gags tonight about this, 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 this and this. Uh, if you're going to be offended, you better put your hands up now and go somewhere else. Because I've never heard of people actually walking out of a comedian show because they were offended about something. I mean, it's, you know, you have to... It, probably people laughed. They didn't because perhaps it was still raw with them. In which case, you know, it's Ricky Gervais. You must know what you're getting, surely. Um, also, uh, Mr Bigger. We are bigger now as men. We are bigger than we were all those years ago. Uh, we've expanded in 50 years. I know the feeling very well indeed. Victoria Beckham milks the publicity of going on James Corden's show. They've gone, oh, it shows she's got a sense of humour. Nobody ever doubted that. I don't know why they put this rubbish out there. She's going on there to plug her stuff. That's all she's doing. Uh, also, the quick twit fitter. He went out, he took the car, went to do the firm's banking, parked in a disabled space in this woman's car. She's only taken it in there for an MOT. He parks in the disabled space, I think in Boreham Wood, and, um, and she sees him. She's in the town. And then she sort of said, what are you doing? And he says, I'm just doing the banking. I'm taking the car on a test. But it wasn't so much the taking the car on the test, of which they have strict rules, being a quick twit fitter. 
But uh, it was the fact he parked in a disabled space. So so embarrassed was the company, because they were in all the papers today. They've uh, they've cancelled the charges for AMOT and the service, and they've given them the next one free as well, and they've made a donation to a charity for disabled people. I was waiting to see the employee has been fired, but we haven't seen that just yet. Uh, also, the NHS dropping waiting time targets for operations. And you a single man. You haven't just got a pussycat, have you? Because apparently more single men have cats than anybody else. And in fact, that you are now a statistic. The statistic is that you've got a pussycat, if you're a man. Because pussycats give you sort of unconditional love. No, they don't. No, they don't. They, they do whatever they want. Just feed me. I'm now going to sleep again. OK. Uh, should, we, should we go out? I don't think so, no. I think you should feed me again. In fact, why don't you just bring the bowls to me and I'll sort of just lean over and eat the food. I'm not eating that stuff again. What is this? What is this? I'm not eating that. Definitely not. Uh, Maureen says, I think you're being a little bit uh, naughty. You're trying to April fool the Scottish. Absolutely not. No. Chris in Hampton Wick says, Scottish saving time on Saturday. Sounds like an April fool to me. I think you're all very cynical. I can't believe that you're all cynical. Who on earth have you got this from? I don't do I don't do April Fool jokes on this program. It's not that kind of program. This is a serious musical stroke political program with a little bit of tennis thrown in. Just to upset just about everybody. Um <clears throat> I mean, I'm surprised that you haven't heard of Scottish Saving Time. I don't want to sort of say that perhaps you'd be better informed if you listen to this program all the time because we've talked at length about Scottish Saving Time. I think it was I think it was brought in I think by a well-known horologist who came from Glasgow. He was the one who first originated and he brought out the clock. I think it was the Stevenson clock. And that one did it automatically. It went forward for the Scottish saving time. It was, it was a, a, a sort of built-in thing. And the clock advances two hours. Why am I the only one who knows about this? I find it absolutely ridiculous. Everybody in Scotland is going, yet we know all about it. How can you expect somebody in Hampton Wick to know what's going on in Scotland? You check it out. You check it out online. Um, the other thing is the NHS. I can't find the story now. I know it's somewhere. Uh, who sang The Lord is My Shepherd to a patient and they fired her. Now, we've had this before, haven't we? Something similar where somebody is, is sort of putting their Christian thoughts into it. I personally don't actually see anything the matter with it. I don't really have a complaint. But Sister... Sarah Coutte was dismissed. Uh, this was in Dartford Hospital. Her job involved asking people preparing for surgery about, down, back the other way, sorry, um, that uh, about their religion. I don't know why they would do Why would you ask somebody about their religion? But that was her job anyway. Bowel cancer patient complained. She told him prayer would help him survive. Riveting. Anyway, another said their bizarre pre-op religious chat was like a Monty Python skit. The mother of three is suing Dartford and Gravesome NHS Trust for unfair dismissal. But um, I don't think you're allowed to ask about people's religion. I don't think so. What's that got to do with it? Uh, but uh, Mrs. Coutte told this particular cancer patient if he prayed to God, he'd have a better chance of survival. You can't say that. You can't say that to people. It doesn't matter whether you're religious or whether you're not religious. You can't say to somebody, you stand a better chance of survival. Eight complaints were made by extremely vulnerable patients. I mean, you know, it's, it's lovely. Somebody representing us said in skeleton arguments, nurses were meant to care for people facing hardship and suffering. But, uh, but you can't say that to somebody. Somebody's going in for surgery and they go, of course, if you prayed, better chance of coming out of the surgery. You know, no, you can't. I don't think you can do that, actually. I don't think you can. She has been warned about this. 
She has been told about it before, but she still persisted. It's not the first time I've heard about this story, or a story similar to this, where people try and push their religious beliefs. I mean, if I went into hospital for an emergency surgery and somebody said to me, of course, if if you learnt to pray to, to God, you might stand a better chance of coming through. Really? Well, God gave me the cancer in the first place, so quite clearly I don't actually need to pray to him. He's well aware of me. But um, it's, it's just a slight odd thing. But um, apparently she hadn't learnt from her mistakes, and so they had no, no choice in it. Amazing, isn't it, really? But um, she apparently, before the hearing, she said she had no intention of imposing her beliefs on others and would sometimes tell patients how her own faith in Christ had helped her overcome adversity. You can't do that. Unfortunately, in this day and age, I know we were complaining earlier on, weren't we, about, um, you know, people complaining in this country about everything. But I don't think it's a nurse's bounden duty to ask you about your faith and question your faith and start sort of saying this might happen to you if you don't. I mean, she might have had an epiphany. I don't know. I don't care. I don't, I've never been to hospital in Dartford. But uh, here she, um, you know, she had to do this sort of questionnaire thing. I mean, she was moving. She was a committed Christian. I don't have a problem with that. I really don't have a problem. I'm not remotely bothered by somebody's religion. That doesn't affect me in the slightest. I just don't want them to inflict their thoughts on me. Almost waving it like that sword of Damocles over your head. Uh, Care homes. We've talked about care. (coughs) Excuse me. Care homes uh, for the middle classes. And how how expensive it is. I mean, really, really expensive. Um, And vitamin C can beat... (laughs) <coughs> cancer. I knew that one was coming. I, I was had to. No, I'm fine actually. Um, so vitamin C can beat cancer, but it's a huge dose of vitamin C. You know, years ago people used to say, "If you've got a cold, vitamin C," and so you take you know vitamin C tablets. But you'd need to eat, I'm told, an orange grove for it to have any effect on you at all. So it's a bit of a, a myth that's sort of grown up. You can get all sorts of things with vitamin C in it, but it's concentrated vitamin C you need, and you do need a lot of it. Uh, Dye says, oh, Dye's back again, who says, religious nurses are bullies. I find the prayers are like cures and more likely to do you harm. That's my belief. You have to put your religion on your NHS records. Really? I didn't know that. I didn't know. Actually, I remember years and years ago, I was asked, I, I joined a youth club a long time ago, and um, and they asked me my religion. And for some reason, I said Catholic. So when I joined this youth club, they all thought I was Catholic. Whereas, in fact, I was C of E. But, in fact, uh, Dai says they put me down as Baptist when I'd actually written Buddhist. Lord. You see, that also comes into the, uh, into the Scottish saving time as well, because it only affects certain religions. So there'll be some people in Scotland who are actually two hours backwards as opposed to the people who are two hours forward. Don't take my word for it. Check it out on the internet. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 7. Isn't it funny? You can go and talk for ages and ages and ages. Then all of a sudden... The throat sort of clicks in and obviously goes, I think we're due a cough. Anyway, as always, Steve, you're correct about Scottish savings times. I even heard James O'Brien talk about it on History Hour. I know, everybody's talking about it. Ian, D- Ian Dale will mention it today on his programme. You listen, Sheila Fogarty, they'll all be doing it. If for some reason nobody talks about it because they go, oh, it's in Scotland. And because it was passed by the Scottish Parliament, they go, oh, we don't need to mention it down here because we're sort of just southern Jessies. Uh, Debbie says, Steve, there was a question about magic. On the musical hour yesterday, James O'Brien mentioned you. He's always mentioning me. He said to me the other day, he said, we should do a road trip. A road trip. Sort of a bit like carpool karaoke. Only sort of not with any celebrities. And he said, we should do a trip through America. I thought, this is beginning to sound a bit like stalking. 
And so, anyway, I've, I've hung on to the, the recording. He keeps saying to me, we should do this, this road trip. Can you think of anything more unlikely than a, than, a, than a road trip with Steve Allen and James O'Brien? He'd be coming up with words I'd never hear of. I'd have to take to drink on the journey through. Although we could do it. Could, I mean, it could be done, I suppose. It's quite interesting. Uh, Steve, further to the story of audience members who walked out on Ricky Gervais, we had the experience of going to see the iconic Ken Dodd who walked off stage because of us. Oh, right, that's an interesting one. I decided to get tickets for a show in Cambridge. Unfortunately, we were five minutes late and had front row seats. Ken cracked jokes about the honeymooners being late and then with a wicked smile walked off stage and started his show again from the very beginning. That's Jeremy who's in Cambridge. Oh, dear. Actually, because Michael Barrymore used to do that. He used to, he used to deliberately hold people back from the show so they would go in late. And he'd go, oh, so you're late. And in fact... It's an older gag than that, because it was used by Barry Humphreys uh, as Edna Everidge, and she'd be saying, oh, look, over here we've got little Muriel. Hello, Muriel. Uh, where are you from? And Muriel would say, oh, I'm from Massachusetts. And she'd go, oh, lovely to see you. And then the latecomers would come in, and she'd go, hello, what's your name? It's Barry and Cynthia. Where are you from? Uh, we're from uh, Cambridge. This is Muriel. She's from Massachusetts, and she managed to get here on time. And that's how we used to do it. So everybody else has sort of picked up on it. Uh, Steve, the two-hour Scottish saving time also enables the Scots to see the Northern Lights at a more reasonable time, when it's not cloudy, of course. Yes, I mean, absolutely. I don't know why people think that, you know, that Scotland should be excluded from this. So it's, it is. They've had a lot of trouble with their Aurora Borealis, as you know. I've, many of the time I've mentioned that to my Scottish friend, which I have won. Well, actually, I've got about two or three, but I'm, I'm trying not to talk to the other one. Um, and they've often said to me, you know, we don't want to see the Northern Lights. We want the Scottish Lights. So they've got the Aurora Borealis, which comes in a different colour, if you please. I mean, how does that work here? Normally, the Aurora Borealis is a combination of sort of green and blues, which sort of come in and these swirly colours. It's, it's, check it out on the Internet. It's beautiful. But the Scottish ones come in as polka dots. I've got no idea how it works. Somebody said to me it's to do with the... The peaty ground, the, you know, the very marshy bogs that they've got up there in the highlands. And that reflects, so individual tussocks, probably heard the word tussocks, uh, they reflect the light back up into the sky. So consequently, it does look as though, I mean, it's obviously not, but it does look as though it's a polka dot effect. So there you go, it's your Scottish history for today, and I hope you thank me for it at some point in the future. Don't, don't do it this morning, seriously, I'm really not interested. Uh, the Daily Express on the front page, Britain's favourite astrologer, Russell Grant, joins the Express today. He's still going, He'll be li he lives in Welsh Wales. He lives in Welsh Wales. He was a champion of Middlesex, if you remember, for some time. Middlesex, who I don't even think exists, but I always put it on an envelope anyway. Vitamin C can beat cancer. An amazing Cameron now reveals what he doesn't like about the EU. This is all on the Express. Uh, the Daily Mail this morning. Councils order higher charges for thrifty to subsidise those with no savings. How the care homes hit the middle classes. It's a f I didn't realise, actually. A study by Age UK last year said councils typically pay between £421 and £624 a week for each care home place, while self-funders are charged between 603 and 867 And if you've got assets of more than 23 £1,250 in savings. It's different for you as well. Uh, the Four Ages of Rock, they've got Ray Davis, Sir Ray Davis, Roger Daltrey, he's got to be a Sir shortly, Francis Rossi, only surviving member, and Nick Mason from Pink Floyd. I'm hoping to get Nick Mason in for an in-conversation. I really am. Uh, front page of The Sun this morning. My teen crush, Eva became my TV wife. This is Eva Longoria. 
It's sort of sort of peculiar people with sort of too much hair. Too much hair. They look a little bit peculiar, like Bianca Gascoigne, who just looks odd. But uh, this is Jack Whitehall. His ex- I hope his mother's not listening, honestly. He's constantly talking about things like this. Also, the police solved just one in ten of every UK burglary. Not very good, is it, really? Not very good at all. Uh, plus the bank transgender titles. This is HSBC. Apparently, Stuart Barrett of uh, HSBC Pride, which is the bank's lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender employee network, says he was terrified going into a branch to change account details. God, these people need to get a life out there. Ridiculous. Uh, Dan, who's in Canada Water. I don't even know where that is, actually. Is it sort of somewhere nice? South... Sorry, South London. It's in South London. And he says, Steve Allen and James O'Brien road trip. Best TV show of 2017. Yes, I mean, I don't know if I'd want to drive or just sit in the back making sandwiches. I'd probably have to do that. He'd probably want to... I wouldn't let him drive my car. Absolutely. I wouldn't let him sit on the seats. What do you mean, let him drive the car? I'd be putting plastic over the seats. I I, I wouldn't let him sit on the seats. Oh, God, no. Heavens above. He's he's, He's sort of going back to his roots at the moment. He said to me the other day, because I've got a sore throat... He said, uh, "Why did you wear a scarf?" And um, and I, he's and then he bought me this chloroseptic. It's like living with him. It's getting really quite quite disturbing. Uh, Steve, I had aurora borealis once. Very painful. I know. Well, the Scots people get it all the time, don't they? You can rent a castle in Scotland. I found a castle to rent for seven and a half thousand quid a night per person. But you do get ferried in by helicopter, I think, which I quite like the uh, sound. Of. I did watch. I'll tell you what I watched the other night. I forgot to mention it. I watched a little bit of Top Gear. With that uh, American bloke out of Friends, Matt LeBlanc. What a pile of rubbish. What a pile of rubbish. It just looked like a very expensive pile of rubbish. Uh, Steve, I think the doctor is well out of order. She's not a doctor, she's only a nurse. This is the one who was singing um, and saying, if you pray to Jesus before your operation, you obviously stand a better chance of getting through it, which is slightly disturbing, because this person might not have been religious. But apparently you are supposed to put down your religion when you go in. I don't know. I mean, I just, I think I'm down a C of E. I don't know. I've never checked it. Daily Star today. George, first pick of grave. It's a fib. They don't have a picture of the grave at all. They've got a picture of some corrugated iron. Katie Price blasted for sexing up daughter. As I say, that's fine. If she wants to dress her little daughter up and make her wear makeup or she puts makeup on. Um, I, I, I couldn't care less. Don't tweet the pictures, though. Don't tweet the pictures. This is the one who didn't want to put her children on television and yet exploited them at every opportunity. We had Harvey sitting in his bath with people wandering in and all sorts of things. You know, there's double standards when it comes to Katie Price. Uh, And Harvey also being very rude on television at his age, knowing those sort of words. And where does he get them from? His mother. Paul says, wasn't Petey Boggs, that famous Scottish burglar, four years he got? Four years. I think he was in... I forget which which prison he was in now, but he was was certainly up there. Because it was from Petey Boggs that we got Peaky Blinders. Do you remember that one? The show came about because when they'd left the bogs, they then started wearing the hats because people used to throw things at them and go, ooh, there goes Petey Boggs. And they used to throw these things at them. So they started wearing the hats so they didn't get dirty. If you believe this programme, then you're a better man than I. The Daily Mirror, lovely jubbly, no fooling, Del Boy and Rodney back together. George Michael's VIP grave. This is like a lot of other graves. It's just because he's George Michael, that's why they fenced it off. It's because they don't want people going there taking ghoulish pictures. It's as simple as that. You go to any other cemetery and you've got flowers all over the grave. Here, there appear to be no flowers on the grave. Not that I can see because they've just got this sort of metal. And um, it's, it's just ghoulish. We don't need to see it. You know, that's his last resting place. That's where he is. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, 
don't leave flowers at the cemetery. Please don't leave flowers. They will remove them. They put notices up to tell you. And if you book to go on the tour of this part of the cemetery, this bit is off limits. They are not going to show you his grave. They tell you that quite categorically. So uh, so heed the advice. Uh, the Times this morning, forces face shortfall of 10 billion after the cost saw. Military under pressure as stockpiles dwindle. And the fashion designer Karen Millen, who was uh, uh, appointed an OBE, has been bankrupted. Oh, my Lord. I saw this picture. I thought oh, she'd just been given an award. Bankrupted by a £6 million tax bill from a failed avoidance scheme. Ooh, uh. So there you go, bankrupted. But, of course, that doesn't mean anything nowadays. I know you think it means something, but it doesn't. You just go bankrupt. You just In, in a few years' time, you just carry on where you were. It doesn't mean as much as it used to years ago. All the shame of bankruptcy. Now they go, well, just go bankrupt. Whereas I pay my taxes... <clears throat> I do, actually. I don't know why I coughed then. It made it sound like I was I was doing something I shouldn't have been. Uh, front page of the Telegraph, the UK will regain power to deport. Oh, that'll be good. And, um, and, 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 uh, and uh, what's this? Sturgeon's turn to write a serious letter. So I've got a, a lovely posed picture, penning a, penning a letter. Uh, also, the £10,000 care stealth tax and Oxford University scorned for PC portraits. Have a lovely weekend, all of you. I hope you do have a nice time. Let's hope the weather's kind to us today. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning between five and six for the best of Steve Allen, hotly followed by In Conversation. And tomorrow, Jude Law and Nigel Planer will be with me. You don't want to miss the conversation. It's repeated at nine o'clock on Sunday evening. Have a nice weekend. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. We have a free podcast for you, which you can get by downloading the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Leading Britain's Conversation at 10, my road trip buddy, James O'Brien. Before that, with breakfast, Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.